0: you wrote the lecture uh
1: like well so i have a book Do you make um little yeah like i just basically i print off like uh bare bones notes take them to class okay so yeah but yeah i try to i try to go unprepared but it's um some topics are just they're hard to be passionate about i'm sure you might run into the same thing uh here and there uh with like you have such a wide variety of products You at the uh, music store, and um, you've uh, graciously hooked me up with our digital recorder here, and have provided advice and cables and this and that. So I, I'm I'm honored to have you on. What uh, what have you been up to, man? Uh, you got uh, what's what's life in the music business like?
0: It it's been okay. We're we're with spring break this week.
1: Us too. Yeah. Like my kids' class on Monday uh, was like. Uh, well, I know Tuesday Jiu-Jitsu, I usually have fifteen. I had one kid. They got a private lesson. So
0: yeah, everywhere. I mean, you drive around town and all the parking lots are pretty empty. Yeah, we'll go out to eat somewhere and uh, no lines really to wait. It's good times. to get in. So I mean, you know, it's it's been a little slow this week, but really from January up until now, it's been pretty decent. We actually had a better January than we did a December.
1: Yeah, we are, um, I mean, spring break's the exception, but our classes have been really big, like noon class, evening class, uh, m- larger than average. And it's said, we're growing and stuff, but, um, and then Russellville's growing too. Right. Uh, I drive
0: by in the evenings and your parking lot's always packed. I know it's insane.
1: I think the fire department's after us, <laughs> but, uh, they called us conveniently that they wanted to schedule a. A, a walk through. Really? It's like, we're going to need you to come by at this time When there's not a lot of people here So <laughs> <laughs> What's
0: the Well, we might not want to yeah. talk about capacity Well, no,
1: I'm, I'm never over capacity But I bet it's parking that they're,
0: ah. they're Oh, right Upset right.
1: about Because yeah. I have uh, Well, you know, Sorrell's uh, This guy that owns like the body shop and mm-hmm. stuff here in town mm-hmm. He owns half that lot in front of us And he has graciously allowed us to park there Right So that's nice But uh, that property um is all vacant, you know, and it's starting to get bought up and tech's been buying up a lot of properties. So it's, uh, it's a nice time to be over there, yeah. but we are, uh, we're growing really and we have room to build, but we're just always catching up. It seems like
0: have, have you heard anything about the guy in Conway putting stores and living uh, apartments in that area?
1: Uh, okay. Yes, I have. Is it the, like the place where Zaza's is
0: at? It's like – Oh, in Conway.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you've eaten there, but if you haven't, you really – if you like pizza.
0: Panera Bread? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Same spot, same spot.
1: Yeah, that same – I don't know if it's going to be the same businesses or whatever – is all going in uh, over there by the old Georgia Carpet Mill. Or perhaps uh, I do know tech like further down between like me and Phoenix, Mm -hmm. where you turn to Mm -hmm. go into the university there for the overpass that they just built. There's that big lot, like back in there, after the woods. Right. That's just kind of off the road. Apparently, that's where that might be going.
0: I, yeah, and I've also heard that a company is building some student housing. Yes, that there. may
1: be where the student housing is going, yeah. and then the um. There's going to be the apartments and the businesses in, over on like El Paso. Right. Right.
0: So that's, we're like three blocks
1: over from right there, and like yeah, uh, right in the center. Jeff Woods, he keeps coming in. He's uh, one of the deans, and he's like, man, they keep doing a lot of stuff, and they've they've bought more land. And um, a lot of those uh, houses, there's some houses over around where we're at, and they're for sale. So um, I bet Tech ends up possibly buying those. Right. The same guy owns a lot of that stuff over there. So, yeah. Well, uh, so, you know, I actually – I think I kind of told you this, but, like, I didn't even go – I mean I've I like probably been in your store maybe a half half a dozen times over the years for I right. need some picks, I need a cable whatever. Right. But um I didn't go to go to a music store for a long time um and was just like buying online until I got into podcasting and you've been awesome about customer service and just pr- probably providing the same sort of business I try try and provide when I'm teaching people martial arts. It's just like I would like to keep you coming back, but I'm not going to act any different than i would act to anybody else to keep you coming back you know yeah but um i mean how much is that a, f- a factor because like uh I, I there's a there's another music store that i've gone to over the years and like that's kind of why i stopped going to music stores you got uh, it's kind of a weird culture when i went in there for any reason but you've uh you you've been uh, gener- uh just like great to deal with so i'm like man i'll give you my business anytime i can right you know, that's so like being a small business owner, I kind of empathize. I told somebody you were coming on and that's like, that's an interesting person to have on. Oh, wow.
0: Okay. Cause, well, because
1: I mean, how many people you, you know that own a music store? Right. Right. Like, and, and then all the stuff that that entails. And then you're an entrepreneur and you're a small business owner. It's uh, it's an interesting dynamic.
0: Right. The, um, and... You know, I, I know what you're saying, and uh, we're a father son business. And,
1: yeah, know. I was going to ask about that. I, I think uh, your dad uh, gave. Is that your dad? Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, well, you said father son. <laughs> so. uh, but when I went and got my. Uh, you ordered that uh, stool, kind of the folding right. mm-hmm. across the hall, Studio yes. B. And um, he was there when I went in to get that, I believe. So.
0: Right. And, you know, the. the mu- well, business in general, I think, has changed a lot. Um, over the years and, uh, the, but the music business or music instrument business has always been notorious about, um, having places that aren't real, real welcoming.
1: Martial arts can be the same way. Okay. That's why I'm like likening, you know, right. a lot of similarities here.
0: Right. And, and I had, you know, I had to dislearn a lot of, um, bad habits too uh, in regards to, you know, when when people come in, uh, we want anybody to come in and browse at any time. For sure. You know, you don't have to buy something to come in and look around because, you know, some of my products are expensive. And, sure. you know, people are not just going to spend that kind of money every time they walk in the door. But there's people that like to come in and just see what's out there and – I've had to explain to dad lots of times, you know, they might not buy the instrument themselves, but they might be talking to somebody the next day or the next week about instruments. And they say, Hey, well, I was in Valley piano and I saw this guitar. Like you're talking about Word of mouth, right? Exactly. So, uh, but you know, back 20 years ago, uh, we, this is our 44th year. Wow. So, yeah. And, um, you know, Ten, 20, 30 years ago, a lot of the owners were, you know, when you came in the door, if you weren't going to spend money, they didn't really want to spend time with you. Or they didn't want you hanging around. And that's just not, that's not realistic. I I, I like a place that, community, you know. Exactly. um, There's, you know, there's tons of great musicians in the area. And I just, I like a place that um, we're not really big enough where people can just kind of come hang out, unfortunately. Um, maybe one day we might be able to do something along those lines. But, um, you know, if somebody just wants to come in and buy a couple of guitar picks and look around, that's fine. That's fine. And, and I've had, you know, local performers who would be in there just kind of doing that. And other people would come in and see them there. And, um, you know, it's kind of... It's somebody that they go to see and play shows, and so it's kind of cool for them to kind of run into somebody who's actually out there doing it, shopping at the same place they are.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's um, that's uh, that's interesting, and it is, uh, it is nice to come in and look around. And, like, when I come in, like, you know, you've ordered some stuff for me. You ordered that stool, and it's mm-hmm. like you're kind of my go-to guy now for – Whatever I'm going to buy, and I'm way more apt to just say, Hey, can you order that? And throw it, it, it doesn't, it's not even about the price for me. You know what R- I'm saying? Like, right. yeah, I can get it on Amazon, and I do, like, on some of like on some things I'm going to, I'm going to talk mm-hmm. to you, Hey, do you have this? And I might want it a little quicker than it might be. A, we have messaged you on a Sunday about cables and stuff before, so some of those weird little TS to TRS obscure cables. I'm, you know, I've asked, but like this recorder and stuff, I'm like, Hey, and I think that uh, people don't realize that. And that's the big thing I noticed is it's more like, Oh, you bought your guitar online, you know? And it's yeah. like, and it would we'll be bringing it in to get it serviced or worked on or, cause I'm the kind of guy, man, I'm busy and I am super apt to bring all my stuff in to get it worked on. And, now, like, I have farmed all of that out to friends and my buddy Dylan. He's been on the podcast, a great musician and drummer, and he kind of works my guitars over now. Um, just because, and it would even be guitars I bought at such and such music store, uh, it oftentimes, and it just, you know, was like a disinterest in, uh, me being there as a consumer because my business wasn't 100% there.
0: Right, right. Which is ridiculous because there's, I mean, you know, you're always going to have, um, Guys who are enthusiasts towards a particular brand. You know, you're going to have your Gibson guys or you're going to have your Fender guys. And,
1: which I got a lot of questions about brands today, yeah, which just that, to see what sort of insight you have. I know we said we we're going to mention Gibson, but uh, right, go ahead.
0: And, um, you know, their business policies aren't really set up. Those two in particular, their business policies are really not set up to... Uh, sell their product in small town America, but um, you know it's just like you get you have your Chevy and your Ford guys and your Nike and your Reebok people or Adidas whatever. There's going to be certain people they're just they're they just really like that particular brand, and you know so I I don't sell Fender new products, but if somebody brings one in that needs to be serviced, you know it'd be ridiculous for me to be like. Um,
1: you didn't I'm, get that here. Yeah
0: yeah i'm not I'm not going to deal with you you didn't buy that here um, so
1: well, that's just like a general attitude of gratitude in my mind of yeah. like, hey, thanks for the business yeah. and if I didn't feel like you were that way, I probably mm-hmm. wouldn't come in or ask you to come on the podcast or whatever yeah. you know so that's why like i said i'm I'm willing to to pay uh, anybody that just like goes is like a customer service person. Is like, that's, our, that's my, one of my number one things. I'm like, if we mess something up, if it, like you're getting something for free, you know, and I'm not saying like, but it's like in our, it's like, Hey, we'll, we got this t-shirt right here. Yeah. Here you go. Right. It's a $5 t-shirt, you know, our, it, it, tank top or, or with sticker or whatever. It's like, we try and go that extra mile. Anytime we forgot to order your this or this man, we deal with so many people. So many people are signing up and, schedule is packed and personal training and it gets really um it really hectic at times. We might have a month where we sign up twenty plus people. Right. And we had two hundred and fifty members that we already deal with. Right. You know, so one of those two fifty might take a back seat while we're dealing with the new twenty and getting them orientated and then a couple of the new twenty may fall through the cracks because we're dealing with the, the larger group and but uh, you know, that's just like when that sort of stuff happens, we try and do everything we can to ensure that those people are still happy, you right. know. And um, I think that because, uh, like you said, you have some expensive products, and anytime time I'm going to buy something expensive, I'm going to sh- I'm going to go. It might be just at your store, and then I'm going to go back and like that software you told me about. I'm going to go do my research. I'm going to come back and look at it again. And I mean, we're talking maybe a six hundred dollar. Two thousand dollar investment, depending. I don't know what the most upper end thing you stock is, but I've uh, I know what audio equipment can run, and uh, I know I've paid six hundred dollars for a guitar easy before. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's an investment. That's how I look at it. Just like martial arts people are investing in information or whatever. Right.
0: And musical instruments aren't. Um they they need maintenance. Uh, they're you know in a way they're kind of like vehicles. Uh, you you have to maintain them on a regular basis to keep them in good working order. And um, it would be different if it was just a product that was like a a roll of paper towels where, you know, every one on the shelf is going to be exactly the same. And I, maybe some pap, paper towel manufacturer wants to argue with me because some might be two ply and others might you be able to tell, tear the sheet instead of a whole sheet half a sheet. And, you know, there's some differences and there's a, the products not always the same, but it's with with musical instruments, especially ones that made out of wood like guitars and pianos. Um, you know, every tree's different, so every instrument is different. And even when you read the specs online about a particular guitar, and and many guitar players will tell you this and you probably already know. Uh, You can have two identical models at least have the same specs, but they just play and sound different. And a lot of that can be, it it was made out of a different tree, different wood.
1: Different. Like I see that uh, a lot of times, uh, differences on the neck, Yeah. You know, it's uh, mahogany, rosewood, or...
0: Mm -hmm. Different feel, different... They're just can... You got to take them on a case-by-case basis and... A lot of the manufacturers, which one we'll get into later on, which you've you know said we wanted to talk about, um, you know, the well, I mean, let's just throw it out there, Gibson guitars.
1: Rest in peace.
0: the The owner right now is really it, this is spring two thousand eighteen. You know, it, everything changes. So, if somebody watches this a year from now, it could be a completely different story. But the the owner is um, really throwing dealers under the bus right now saying that um, the reason why get Gibson guitars are failing is because the dealers are not embracing online sales. And in the same interview prior to that, he's talking about how um, every guitar is different and you, it, it fits you different and you've got to put your hands on it and you know experience it. And it's just a conflict of interest, oh, not interest, but... It's conflict in what he's saying because he's talking about the individuality of the instrument, but at the same time he's talking about not dealers not really yeah, offering his product yeah, online, yeah. where you can't do that, where you have to basically order something and rely on somebody pulling know, it off I'm a so shelf. I am so
1: leery about making that kind of investment online with like several hundred. I don't, I don't know, I'm trying to think, if I have ever bought a guitar I did, and I I have a couple of times I bought um like some like I bought a B stock t- guitar yeah. one time, found right. a killer deal on it, and but um, but you I wasn't happy with it when I got it either, you right? Know? And I was but I, I mean, thought it was going to be super quality, and had a couple little issues with it that I didn't enjoy, um like the little uh, the where the battery goes in it mm-hmm. was uh it was talking me like the two jumbos I have out here which are not B stocks, <laughs> um, it, but it like it is like it didn't fit the hole yeah. you could like move it like that and that was uh that was the main thing and then it had a rattle that i couldn't get to go away and then if I, I took that into that store i was talking about and they're like you're such a dumbass you know i mean i'm just like come on guys this is like a couple hundred bucks this is a very expensive guitar new i think i got a killer deal on it and they're like you know pretty much like don't come back here with that yeah and and i get that but it's like um that was one of the only guitars I ever bought online and we'll probably not do it again just because of that. Um, What actually, what all brands do you deal in?
0: Well, um, you know, on the piano side is, and because of our name Valley Piano, that, that is our main emphasis because in the past there was at least two other guitar stores here in town what we've always carried guitars, but um, I tried to fit in where and cover the bases that they did not. For sure, um, you know, a, a lot of local people remember will remember Sound Investments.
1: I, do, I Yeah, I remember that, I bought my first bass from
0: there. Yeah, in eighth grade. Yeah, and I think one of their major brands was Fender, and I think at one time they may maybe even carried some Epiphone and uh, Alvarez guitars, possibly. I, I don't remember exactly, but whatever brands they carried and what other, whatever brands Olsen's carried, we tried to just offer a third option. M- music, intru- uh, music instrument people can be, um, lots of times, a lot of them will like something that's off the beaten path. Uh, sure. one of the br- you asked what brands. One of the brands I carry is Orange Amplifiers. Okay.
1: Uh, uh. Yeah. I Which? want. Uh. I. W- I want to get an orange amp. So it, when I do that, uh. Yeah, I'm gonna need you to be thinking about me, cause I don't. I don't know a whole lot about them. I just know that the next time I buy an amp, it's gonna be an orange, and I know that right. you carry
0: them. Yeah. And and up until really the past five to ten years, they they not have not had a real huge presence here in the U.S. They've always kind of been an underground boutique brand. I mean, if if you watch old Black Sabbath videos or Heart. Uh, you know, from the late 60s, early 70s, you'll see Orange Amps on stage. They've been around as long as Marshall has. But um, they just, uh, for whatever reason, here in the U.S., about five or ten years ago, opened up an office, or at least that's when I became aware of them, uh, in Atlanta. And oh, nice. That's not too far away. N- at, right. And, and there's, um, you know, these days you see tons of artists, Videos, uh, concert footage with orange on stage. They're pretty amp.
1: I mean, I really, yeah. I like the way they, I mean, it's just a simple, but the way they do the colors of their amp, make them, I know they have a spectrum of color, but usually like the white and the oranges. And right. It's just appealing.
0: Yeah. When And, f- you know, I've been carrying them probably for five to seven years now. And uh, prior to that, for about a year or two, the rep that I was dealing with Kept saying, "Man, you know th- these amps are doing great in other markets. You really need to carry them." i like, "Well, they only come in orange. I mean, you know, if they came in red, you know, for my market, because of cyclones, because of Razorbacks, yeah, yeah, you sure. know, uh, you know, this is SEC country. So when people see orange, lots of times they think uh, Tennessee, Texas, Texas, right? Prior to the SEC, Texas was a uh, a big rivalry and yeah. so i was like uh you know if, if they came in other colors maybe but it's turned out that's the thing about them that a lot of people really like
1: yeah that's what i mean obviously i like the way i, I don't know if he, um if he got it here in town but anytime i see someone get an orange i assume that they might get, have got it from you since you're probably the, the primary dealer in town but yeah. uh uh, a friend of mine uh Dr. Jason Warnick uh from the university okay. he got an orange for his birthday at some point recently uh, and i was like hey man what do you think about that mm-hmm. so i've had my eye on on uh the brand for over a year and uh after you, I, you know i get the studio a little more further evolved i'm going to be i've got a music room i've been putting together over here since we moved in and it's uh, it's kind of taken a back seat to this but um, it'll be the next uh labor of love until Cora turns one of these rooms into a nursery.
0: <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That'll be a whole nother level. We got a, we
1: got a ways to go. She's got more fights she wants to have. Uh you know, she just fought and won last weekend. I think I saw you comment. I so did. That was awesome. The, the support. Uh it was crazy. She got fouled during the fight with this thing called an illegal upkick okay. I don't know if you've MMA very much, but um, Say, casual fan. So let's say I'm in, you're on your back and I'm in between your legs. They call that the guard. Right. Right. I'm familiar and I'm that. on my knees. Okay. This girl kicked with the bottom of her foot, like in the face, like right in the jaw and like snapped her head back, like whiplash style. It's totally illegal. Um, last night we were watching a fight and we, I'm sure you may heard of the fighter Anderson Silva.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and, um, we were watching uh, him. He did that to a guy named Yushin Okami, also another UFC fighter. Uh, was this an older fight? Yeah, it was uh, called, like I think, Rumble on the Rock. Uh, it was somewhere in between Pride and UFC. Okay. A- Anderson Silva fought in a couple other promotions uh, outside of those two. And um, him and Yushin-, Yushin Okami fought again at UFC 134 because Anderson Silva did that and got DQ'd. So I was like, when I saw that happen, I was like, they need to at the very minimum take a point or d or a DQ, because I was I was worried. Her jaw was jacked up for a few days. It feels better now, um, but man, it like imagine imagine her wife fighting, dude. <laughs> I can't. I know, I man. It is so like I I literally like oh man, I don't know. See, like she actually she's undefeated in kickboxing. She's competed in jiu jitsu. And she had her first MMA fight, big promotion. And because of her experience, purple belt in jiu-jitsu, brown belt in judo, and undefeated in kickboxing, two-time amateur uh, kickboxing world champion, She, the first girl she fought had had like eight MMA fights. And she lost a, a decision. All this girl did her Your wife hold, lost? Yeah. Okay. Her la- and this is her last fight. All the girl did is hold her on the fence the whole time. First fight of the night on this big promotion is called Legacy. Okay. It's kind of the three big promotions in the U.S. now are Legacy, Bellator, and the UFC.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: And so she got, like, her MMA debut was on Legacy, but she fought this girl that had a lot of experience, and they just did what they needed to do to not grapple, not take to the canvas, and to not get hit. (laughs) We held her on the fence. No takedown attempts. No takedowns. Every time Corey starts striking, just hug, push on the fence. And uh, so she's, like, coming off a loss. So I'm just like, oh man, I just like, man, I want you to win so bad. Going you know? into this fight last y- week, yeah. So like, I'm like, you know, hoping for the best. And she's a, she's a phenom. She is so good. And but you know, I'm like, she can't lose two in a row. That's gonna, she's gonna take that very hard. And I don't, I want, I really. So like, I was in trying not to show her any of this. I kind of just told her about it yesterday. I was like, man, I was sweating it, you know. And she didn't know, but. So it's like, I really wanted to win. And then it's like, anytime she competes, man, my heart rate. Oh, I can imagine. Even in jujitsu, which is no striking. Right. So she like, so that's pretty much, you know, these takedowns and, uh, but man, she got out there and it was just, uh, the up kick happened and I was already just, you know, amped up and heart rate (laughs) and stuff after the fight, my face was just so red for like an hour I felt like i'd been in in the fight myself 'cause you i fought it i fought myself and it's kind of like uh have you ever been in a car wreck or like fortunately not many uh, good or, or like I felt the same way the first and i don't I don't really hunt anymore, but the first time I killed a deer okay like this like crazy rush of adrenaline okay you know like the first, i felt that way the first time I shot at a deer. It's just this excitement, man. You've been thinking about it and building it up. And so you get, like, this dump of adrenaline. My second MMA – or my second fight, first MMA fight, I uh, I had that, and I thought I'd been in a car crash. But people experience this dump of adrenaline after being in a car crash. Okay. So – but yeah, I, I mean, felt like I'd been in the fight after Cora fought. I, I, I had wow. a surge of adrenaline, you know, or blood pressure or something. It was –
0: now, when I when I think about being in a car crash, I think about being sore. You're not talking about being sore, are you? No. It's I, so much well, adrenaline. So y-
1: just. Yeah, that that too. So, like, for example, my MMA fight, I took no damage, delivered all the damage. But just, like, getting your getting your heart rate up and the, just being in there, the act of fighting, you might hold your breath a little bit. And I remember between rounds, I tell people a story, I went to sit down and I was like, I can't go back out there, man. Oh, I'm dying. And I'd won the round. Like, I would finish the round and mount just hitting the guy, you know. And, and like, a lot of people thought it should have been stopped in the first round, and they they didn't stop it. And I'm just, I sit down, and I'm like, I can't breathe. Oh, my God. And then the bell rings. I just go out there, and I win and get to choke. And, but afterwards, I was just like, oh, oh, man. Oh, oh, my, just everything that was a muscle uh-huh. was, like, cramping. Wow. It And it was it's partially probably from holding my breath a little bit. It was like my first MMA fight. I had a kickboxing fight, but I I finished it in like 30 something seconds. So I didn't have a chance to get all jacked up, right. I guess. I don't know, but I didn't, I didn't feel that in the first fight. And that's something that I may mean, have cornered over a hundred fights. And that's something that, um, a lot of fighters go through their first several fights. You, they get they get several fights in before you don't have those physiological effects, and then it's all just like you're saying. You're sore because you took a beating, okay. like because you're damaged from the car crash or whatever. But um, like right after people ha- have a car accident, even if it's minor, you're kind of yeah. That's that drop of a surge of adrenaline.
0: Okay, I get that a lot in <laughs> in, in in certain situations. Um, uh, confrontational yeah. situation. Anything that people, what I would view yeah. as a con- confrontational, I, I kind of start shaking yeah. a little bit.
1: Yeah, now that's. Um, I'm, I'm sure it's adrenaline. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I I go through the same thing, and I think that like a big part of like the martial arts training is is managing that. You know, it's yeah. like learning to deal wow. with that yeah. is is like a person because I told somebody like so for example, this last year. I was teaching a class at my coach's gym in Bentonville. So okay. I taught my class. I usually get up at 4.30 in the morning.
0: I know. So I see. <laughs> like, I see so
1: you. I got up, and I taught that morning class and done some stuff and taught a noon class. I think I did a private lesson that day. And then I'm like, you know, yeah. I'll go home. And I think I ate lunch and hopped in the car and drove to Bentonville, and there was this crazy traffic. And it took usually takes me right at 2 hours, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm give or take, maybe with a stop a little more, but it took me like over three hours. And for, I didn't have a water in the car with me, so I didn't drink anything that three hours. So I got there because I was a little late. I got there right on time, taught the class and, you know, sweating, didn't drink any water and got out there and started rolling with like my, you know, black belts, high ranks. I didn't roll with any lower level people. It's just all my coaches and stuff. And by about round five of pure dehydration and going with one of my, my buddies and coach Mike, he's in my wedding. I mean, he's like one of my best friends and, um, he swept me. And like, so basically I was on top, tipped me over. And then he's on top, got past my guard, my legs. And I was just like, dude, I'm done. <laughs> like I was having almost have almost having a panic attack. I don't think I've ever really had a full blown panic attack, but any time I had, it's because of just being exhausted mm. And it's like what you're saying with this like f- feeling of confrontational based adrenaline i like I get a taste of that almost every day oh I can like imagine. N- but it's not like it's not it's it's not emotional mm-hmm. typically but but when you start like I, I can't breathe like so and then you know you're fighting somebody and you don't want them to think that you or, like, a quitter or whatever, but you just got to divorce yourself of the ego and be like, I was like, dude, I'm tapping to exhaustion. I'm dehydrated. I need to go suck down two bottles of water and rest. I just, like, my fifth round, I'm, I just let me, I've messed up here. Let me go get hydrated. And I got, came back out and rolled a couple more rounds, but it's like, that's, uh, I, I just got promoted to bike belt yesterday. And she I just saw said, that, yeah. and I was going to congratulate well, you. Well, thank you, man. It's, it, so it's, it's 11 years and four months of training. And that was like last, like maybe eight months ago, like that's probably like September, October that, that like, I'm telling you this incident happened. So it's like, and I train every day. Like there's, there's not really any getting out of shape. There's stay in about the same shape or I could get in better shape if I want, you know, it's like doing it day in, day out, teaching classes, training with my students. I stay in pretty good shape. My weight stays the same pretty much no matter what. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, uh, it's, you know, so if I'm still experiencing that, it's not because I, I suck at what I do. It's, it's, hu- it's part of being a human and get, and being a human is getting older as I do this and has been doing it for 11 years, four months and taking the abuse of, you know, dozens and dozens of jiu jitsu competitions and fights and all the pra- the practices is where, where the fights are won. Mm-hmm. you know you you grind it out and put your body through heck and try and recover and try and not tap when you get tired like that cuz like I'm at a point where it's just like dude I got to drive this many hours home after we go eat and stay awake for that and get home past midnight and get up and do this again tomorrow and I got to teach classes tomorrow and I need to be there for those people it's like it's, it's easy for me to just say yeah no dude
0: right there's always there's a, a bigger, p-
1: there's a bigger picture here, but like five years ago, I just would have had the panic attack, yeah. you know, saying <laughs> like I cut it off a little too, a little before that happened or whatever. But it is, it is interesting, um, how that's pretty much what everybody's trying to overcome is just that, that feel. I always thought I could defend myself until I started training martial arts. Right. And then I was like, oh man, what a rude awakening. I I would have died. I would have died just feeling that like, the the adrenaline before the before the confrontation, then getting in it. Who knows? You know, it's like if I train and it still is aff- affects me. You know, on any level, it's like imagine the people that don't train, right, or don't yeah. exercise, or then you have like um, weightlifters and stuff that will be just trying to bodybuild. Mm-hmm. and they might be smoking cigarettes and drinking whiskey every day. <laughs> It, it, because they don't have to, they're not about that cardio life. They're not out running or they're not doing ultra marathons or marathons. So anyway, it's uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing to try and master what your body does.
0: Oh, I can imagine. Okay. I've, um, you know, always been a casual fan of, uh, MMA. Um, but I've always had this, uh, Attitude that you know, if I put my mind to something and tried it, I could do it. About in, almost anything, but not MMA. Yeah. I, I, I watched that and I'm like, there is absolutely no way. No matter how hard I worked or tried, I could I could do that. Do you um Do you know who Joey Diaz is?
1: Uh, he's a comedian. Yeah, on um, the Rogan. He comes on Rogan a lot. He has his own podcast called The Church of What's Happening Now. Okay, and um. He's a, he's a funny comedian, but, uh, he trains jujitsu now. Wow. And at one point he was up like, what, like 350 pounds. Maybe he said he got up to 400 pounds, mm-hmm. but, um, he has lost a ton of weight. He said he's wearing an A5 gi, which means I wear an A3. Okay. He's lost all this weight, but he's talking about being able to roll and stuff. It's like, uh, there's a lot of people that do jujitsu. Like, oh, jujitsu is for everyone. Not really. Mm -hmm. It's for a lot of people, though. Uh, And while you're you're totally spot on, and and it would depend on where you went, but learning MMA would be difficult. You know, my first guest who has uh, um, controversial Star Wars views,
0: they're not controversial. They are. I don't agree with them either,
1: <laughs> Jesse. He actually just went on a super awesome trip, and they went to, like, nine national parks in eight days or, so, or maybe even like fewer days than that. Right. 3,400 miles. So he's going to come back on and, and talk about all that. But, yeah, he shows up. He's like, let me tell you eight things I hate about The Last Jedi. But, you know, I was like, dude,
0: whoa. Right. But, you know, and, and I know me and you um, in the store had a conversation, and – and I might have used uh, the word disagree. It's not that I disagree with what he was saying. I mean, because in, in the end, we're talking about a movie. I know. And, I know, right? And everybody's opinion is valid.
1: Exactly. Uh,
0: but um, there there are a lot of people that feel the exact same way he does.
1: I know. And, you know, I, I we talked about on the podcast why... It's like almost, I think, a generational thing for me. But you're probably closer to the same generation as he uh, as he is. So it's interesting to see the spread of fans and their viewpoints, right? You know, because I'm like I'm of the generation that that they remastered the original trilogy yeah. when I was like becoming a teenager, right? Like you know, probably twelve years too. old. Oh, but for me, I was it's like, yes, me too. I mean, I was pumped about it. I went and saw I got to go see them in theaters and then even better, episode 1, 2 and 3 comes out throughout my teenage years, get to see all those in theaters. So I've got to see, you know, all yeah. the Star
0: Wars in theaters and yeah. I mean, I'm day one ish. Yeah. You know. That's I I I was in 4th grade when the original came out. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so did you
1: get to? See, did you get to see? Uh, that's yeah. That's old. old no, definitely I, old enough to remember.
0: Yeah, the first one I s- actually got to see in the in the theaters was um, Return of the Jedi. So I did not get to see eighty one, eighty three. Uh, Return of the Jedi is eighty four. Eighty four. Okay. Yeah. Um, Star Wars seventy seven. Empire eighty one. And um, I, I read the book or books for both movies, um, and, and back then they had. Um, these books with records and the, the record actually had the dialogue from the movie and all the sound effects. Wow. Yeah. Cool.
1: So do you still have that record? I bet it's worth a lot of money if you do. Uh,
0: I don't think I do. I yeah. don't think I do. I didn't
1: dude, I had so many star Wars action figures from oh, growing yeah. up and I didn't, I don't even know where they're at. Actually, I gave a lot of my action figures uh, to Jesse for that was on the first podcast. Yeah. Cause he has an action figure collection, like in his office. He's a professor at U of O. Yeah. So uh, I was just like, man, these have already brought me joy. You know, they'll, they'll bring you joy. They can continue to bring joy. Right. So.
0: But I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, like you're talking about the special editions and a lot of the, the day one people um, kind of at the at the special edition, they start their love hate relationship with George Lucas.
1: How dare you? put Hayden Christensen in that lineup at the end of return of the that
0: Jedi. That Greedo shooting first or hand shooting for, I don't even remember who. exactly. Right. You know, that and and um apparently Vader yells no at some point that he didn't do in the originals. And um but as a creator, uh I saw what George was doing and I I think creators You know, we never feel like our stuff is perfect. It sucks. Yeah. And and it's hard. You know, there comes a time where you just got to let it out. You got to let it go. And for, I I can understand him being at a point in 77, then 20 years later, having all this technology available to him. Mm -hmm. And he says, in my head. This is how I saw it. I couldn't do it that way in 77. That's a
1: great uh, take on it. I never really thought about it that way.
0: Right. Now in 97, I can do it. But one, one thing that I have personally experienced is that when you put uh, a piece of art or artwork out there into the world and people become familiar with that and you go back and you try to reinterpret that or change it, there is so much backlash and so much... People want whatever they're they're familiar with, and they they are very unforgiving if you change that work, and that that's what happened. I think that's when we kind of started getting these two divisions in the Star Wars fandom. I get,
1: I get that, you know. I I'll tell you, like, so my wife loves that new Jumanji movie. Okay, I will not watch it. Not, uh uh-uh. uh so I feel like I'm like betraying my grandmother's memory by watching it or something. Like I watched it with the yeah. v- the very first one with her, uh-huh. and I'm like, oh, this is such a great movie, um, and I just cannot envision the Rock.
0: Right. Well, you and bringing your grandmother up—that's an important thing because it, it's a landmark in your life and yeah, your memory.
1: Exactly. I, yeah.
0: And and I, I, right, I get that.
1: I'm, you know, and I know not everybody is this way and it's, um, and I, but I do know a lot of people that are, and my wife is just like, it kind of wears her out, but like she doesn't, um, attach memories to, to things like movies. Mm -hmm. And I do, I'm like, yeah, I saw that with so-and-so on this day and it was such a great time. And like, I just, I don't know. I just, those experiences are, are meaningful to me, right? but she's just like. Once for example, one time um we had uh she had never we neither one of us had never seen Good Morning Vietnam. Okay. it's another Robin Williams movie. Right. And uh so we watch it on Netflix, it was streaming on Netflix, and um like a year later I'm like, Hey, you wanna watch Good Morning Vietnam again? And she's like, We've never watched that. And I was <laughs> like, No, 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 we haven't and She's like, You must have watched that with someone else. Right. And I was just like Right. I by, brought it up is because right here in the, the do you want to watch it again right. on this account that we have together, that we have always had together. You know, and she's just like, oh, and uh, there's she, this did it again. Uh, we, uh, there's this Amazon, Amazon uh, show, a uh, second season of Sneaky Pete Okay, just yeah. came out. And, uh, we watched the first season. She has like no recollection of wow.
0: it. Wow. Yeah. Wow.
1: She just doesn't – it's like some people just don't store things that aren't important to them, I guess so yeah. i don't
0: know i've got shows like that that I call them my my veg shows. I like to just veg out and every and I want a program that i don 't have to remember anything about it just passes the time yeah
1: yeah uh, i I do that, and like I like rewatching shows like yeah. I rewatch um parts of Game of Thrones or break i rewatch Breaking Bad and it just kind of like you know I might be in here writing lectures or something and it's just kind of going in the background. But not anymore. I just do that podcast. Right. You know, or documentaries. I, but I do have shows too. And it's, but it's always shows I've seen. Uh, you watch any HBO shows?
0: Uh, Game of Thrones. And, Westworld? Um, oh, tonight. Um, Silicon Valley is coming up.
1: Oh, I, you know, I've been told I should uh, watch that, but I haven't, I haven't ever got into it. It's a, a
0: crazy show. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's an acquired taste, I guess. Um, But, um, when it comes to TV, my wife watches a ton of it and I will sit there on the couch and, and watch what she watches. And, um, but I don't have a whole lot of stuff that I, just a few things that I follow regularly.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of that way. I usually have about half a dozen shows that maybe, but some of them are like going out and not like, so like, I really like better call Saul. I don't know if you've watched that. It's I have a spin off of Breaking Bad, yeah. a prequel spin off. Yeah,
0: she was into Breaking Bad and she I mean she watched all those, so I'm familiar with that just because she watched
1: it's it. It's it's really good. I, I enjoy it. Uh, the four seasons coming out soon, but um Man in the High Castle, that's one that their third season's coming out. Um it's okay. it's I basically so a, a post um World War II universe in which Nazi Germany and Japan won the war.
0: Oh wow! And they
1: divided the United States, the Rocky Mountains. You have the Pacific Japanese states, and the American Nazi Reich. Okay. And it's just crazy. It's crazy that Japan is, a, and that there's a, a like a border. You know, right? It's, but Which they're kind geographically of geographically makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> I, it it does. It's <laughs> a it's a fascinating concept the way they put it together. And there's this guy named Obergruppenfuhrer Smith. And Overgroup Your Fear is like a, a position with, that actually existed in the SS. Oh, okay. And he runs American Nazi Reich, and it's Rufus Sewell. I don't know if you know who that is. He plays the, the antagonist bad guy in that movie A Knight's Tale with Heath Ledger.
0: Right. Like, so he's that guy. Okay. That's Rufus
1: Sewell. He's been in a bunch of movies. He's in one of the Zorro movies with Antonio Banderas. I like him as an actor, uh, and he did good in that movie. But uh, he's also in that movie Tristan and Isolde with James Franco. So shout out to Rufus Shule. <laughs> Rufus. <laughs> yeah. What a cool name. I, I've had pets named Rufus before.
0: Isn't there a Rufus and Marshall? Duke in Rufus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: He was on, uh, I was just talking to somebody yesterday. He was on Joe Rogan's podcast once, and they were watching all these obscure uh, movie tie fights. He's like, pull up, um, you know, uh, boom lock rainbow. And, like, these people, they have, like, these funny fight names they come up with, these Thais do, and uh, but they watch all these obscure fights and people, like, breaking their backs in Thailand, wow. getting thrown out of the ring uh, and why they make. Mm-hmm. Rules are real different in kickboxing in the United States. You can enter Muay Thai division rules somewhere, but they're real different than, like, you go to Thailand, it's like, there are no other rules you're fighting Thai rules. A lot of times, like we're watching some traditional Thai fights yesterday, where their thumbs were out, they had more just like a wrap on. Mm-hmm. And wow! Yeah, sounds brutal. Yeah, so it, it is. Uh, I can uh, I can only imagine. I've never been to Thailand. Probably won't go, but because uh, man, anymore thanks to globalization and yeah, new media and. As much information and stuff, it's like the rule sets of the promotions is a big reason why kickboxing is a little different in the United States and this cultural tradition. Mm-hmm. But you could, st- I still have all the access in the world to that information, you know. Outside of like just going getting it directly from the guy, which there's value to that. But there's so many guys in the United States now that have already done that and come back and are training people.
0: Mm, okay.
1: And uh, it's like there's several. Like I've got to work with a guy from. The, you ever watched Ban- Vanderlei Silva back in the day?
0: The name sounds familiar. The axe
1: murderer. He's a crazy dude. He came over. Is from he Pride Brazilian? And, mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, he's from an academy called Shootbox. Okay. And I got trained with one of the Shootbox guys from Brazil, uh, who moved here and opened a school in Long Beach and. Married a lady whose parents live in Northwest Arkansas. So he did a seminar at my coach's gym over like the day before Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And then um, I went to worlds one year in California and just, he's like, man, you're ever in town. It hit me up. And I went and trained there while I was in town. Awesome. So, you know, just kind of, that's the access, the information you have. And uh, like yesterday, I was scouting out this uh, instructional series, like 140 bucks, but I was like probably about to buy that just because it's a really specialized body of information from one of those guys that learned from a guy that is credited with bringing Muay Thai to America. Right. Right. Uh, Chai is the guy's name that's uh, credited, uh to bringing a lot of, a lot of the, the techniques over first. And he taught Dan Inosanto, who was a Bruce Lee student and Dan Inosanto taught this guy, Greg Nelson. So um, Greg Nelson's had Sean Shirk. He actually, Coach Brock Lesnar. Okay. <laughs> mm. Can't choose your students. Can't choose your customers and the music business, I guess, too. No. Well, I mean, yeah, some places can, I suppose. You know,
0: it's funny you say that, too, because um, I would say 99.6% of my customers is a pleasure to deal with.
1: You ever So you you talk about, um, which I know, man, like it could be anything from road rage to somebody just like bumping into you funny um, and being like we were out having dinner with some friends, uh, just all the group of guys, me and several guys from high school and somebody kind of got confrontational with one of the people at our table. And it was just like, oh, but do you ever have any awkward situation? I mean, I do. People Mm -hmm. come in and want to beat my ass because I'm like, I mean, literally that people these groups. Street fighters or ego heads. I, oh, I mean, it happens. Yeah, I and then I, and I just had it happen recently. And I had and I had to lay the, lo- the smack down. And I hate having to do that, man. And the older I get, I hate yeah. it more. That's why I cut it off kind of early and was like, you need to get out of here. But it's the same way as what you're saying. And, uh, you know, I wonder, just because I'm in the fight business, I know other people do the confrontation too, but you, what's uh, what's some – some issues you've had in uh customer end of things.
0: Well, you know, um, we have a showroom where our products, we, we allow testing of our products. And basically what that means is that you're allowed to come in and, and pick up a guitar or sit down at a piano. You know, m- most of the time, it, it, you know, we're hoping that it's for people who's seriously thinking about purchasing that instrument. But you, you've got to test it out. You, you, you need to see how it feels. You need to know how it sounds. And usually uh, uh, most people can uh, determine that within, they should be able to determine that within five to ten minutes. You know, they shouldn't have to sit there and perform a two-hour concert to know whether that <laughs> bring, instrument. Bring their set list with them. Right, exactly. Works for what they do and what they don't do.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a point of reason there.
0: Right. Now, occasionally, and um, it, it tends to be younger customers, maybe high school kids or, or tech students.
1: 18 to 25-year-olds, my worst market.
0: Yeah. They, they'll come in, and, and they'll pick up an instrument, and they'll start testing it. And, well, they, they'll ask me, can I try this out? I'm like, yes, you can test it. And I always emphasize the word test. And um, they'll start playing, and about – 10 to 15 minutes in, you, you can you can tell when they start, they start going through every riff that they know. And at that point, it's not, you can tell they're, it, it's almost getting to a point of they're getting lost in the instrument, which happens. I mean, that's, that's one of the great things about playing an instrument. You You can sit down, pick it up and start playing and you can just go to another place. And, but, and I, I get that, I understand that, but unfortunately, we can't let you do that in the store. Yeah. Because if everybody came in and do that, did that, then everybody would just be sitting around playing instruments until we closed and had to run them out of there.
1: Well, and then it it kind of makes the new instrument not
0: so new. Well, right. That's yeah. That's another thing. It's you know, zippers, buttons, banging it on the stand when you're Belt picking buckles. it up and taking it off. Yeah. so there's been a few times when I, I i approached somebody and said okay you know what do you think about the instrument you know you've had a, a while to to play it and um they'll they'll well guitar center will let me play it for as long as i want you know and i'm like well you know their business model is a little bit different than ours we're a full service business they're a self-service business and uh, I hear a lot of complaints from people that say they don't like to go into Guitar Center because when you walk in there, it's just a bunch of racket everywhere. And, you know, it's just a completely different business model. So occasionally I'll have people kind of get upset and offended when I cut them off.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, and how big a square foot is a typical Guitar Center? Right. You know, I, I, I can get that, man. I've gone out of my location three times, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you only have so much square foot. And like you said, I mean, how many pianos do you have in your business right now?
0: The traditional acoustic pianos, we probably have 10.
1: That takes those. up a lot of space. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, fig- I figured it would be less than that, but I mean, I'm sure you probably have some in the back, and I'm sure you have a storage area and stuff, but man, you do have a lot of inventory, yeah, and all, or like your songbooks, your guitars, your amps, your cables, your recording stuff. Then the fact that you carry pianos and not just the acoustics, but you you get your uh, your keyboards and digital pianos right. and stuff like that and boxes and yeah. Then you want st- like I was like, hey, is this stool for sale? You're like, no, I need that because the people t- you know do the stuff on it. Yeah. Um. But man, I can I can get that you know, and that makes all the sense in the world. And like, I mean, imagine you deal with three customers while they're playing the guitar and they're cranking it up on that orange amp or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get it.
0: And there's been times also, you know, when I'm in there and me and dad's different, you know, he's very much old school. I'm very much new school. And he, he doesn't, you know, if you go in there and he's in there and he's a piano guy more so than I am too. I'm I'm more of a guitar guy. So... Difference in personalities, and uh, there there'll be times I'll be doing paperwork, and somebody comes in, and um, I will I'll let them sit there for forty five minutes, and just I I can tell for several reasons. Lots of times, I'm kind of checking them out, saying, you know, that dude's playing some cool stuff.
1: Yeah, you, know? you can, can. you Yeah, I agree. You can tell the type of customer you're doing Like you said, 99.6% of right. the time.
0: Right. I'll let them play. I'll, I'll kind of check out what they're doing just for my benefit because I'm learning something, just listening and watching them. And also I don't mind, uh, they'll, they'll adjust settings on the amp and get a different tone or sound that I might not be familiar with. So and lots of times by letting them sit there and test and play on an instrument for 45 minutes, I'm learning a lot just as much as they are. And, I've got paperwork I'm working on so I'm they're they're fine on their own I'm fine doing my thing and, and you're,
1: not, you're not a brush of customers and
0: right but then it's, if this person's over here and uh, I have a piano customer that comes in you know I can't have somebody over there with you know doing all these metal runs and power cords to where that the piano customer can't hear them s- hear what the instrument that they're testing out so some you know it, it's very rare, but every now and then I have to, you know, shut somebody down and say, okay, well, you know, that's enough. You, you, you got an idea what it can do and if you want it, you know.
1: Yeah. That, which is perfectly reasonable. I mean, that's like, I, I really, I mean, like when I go into a music store, I'm just like, wow, there's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of inventory in here, mm-hmm. you know, like, and it's, it, you know, I want to be totally respectful. That's not my stuff. And not, I'm sure not everybody feels that way.
0: Most do, some don't. Yeah. Yeah. So some are, some, go <laughs> back to, I had this kid last semester from tech. Four guys come in, and, you know, when you get a group of people like that in, too, um, sometimes maybe two of the four are actually there for the instruments, and the other two mm-hmm. are just hanging with their buddies. Um, but I had this guy kind of wander off towards the back where we've got a grand piano and, um, he had a spit cup with him. He brought it in. And so I was watching him and he set the spit cup on the grand piano to sit down and start playing on some keys. And I was just blown away by the lack of respect. Not only that, the fact that that's a $10,000 piano. But didn't think a thing in the world about setting a spit cup on it. Now, I, both of my, I, I have 2 stepsons and both of them dip. And they have their spit bottles and their spit cups. So I'm used to being around that. Um, but, I mean, the confrontational side of me just kind of, what do you think you're doing? You know, and he turned around and looked at me. He's like, man, this dude's about to go berserk in here. And yeah, you know,
1: I'm the, like, you know, I used to get real upset about people walking on my mats with shoes and like, it happens. People don't understand. Like I used to get also, and then people in the school who get upset about it because they, they don't want people doing it. And I'm just kind of like, Hey man, it happened. You know? Yeah. Like, but I, there's several things like that, that, um, well, like the most recent confrontation I had, it's like, Hey, we talked to you about this a couple of times, you know, it's wow. just not a fight we're here getting better. And if you, mm. if you want to try and hurt my brain, I will hurt your brain, mm. you know? And it's just yeah. kind of like, you know, it, it just goes to the point so far. Uh, it's like, um, luckily I have a lot of people out there that deal with things before. But if I'm out there on the floor, I got to deal with them too. But then it's a liability for my people of like, well, cause we like, there was a period of time where we went almost three years without a concussion. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like we have people that compete in combat sports. Mm-hmm. Right. Accidents happen. Right. right. Nobody wants to knock anybody out. I don't want anybody to knock anyone out. There's certain some people in the MMA now that don't even spar, or they might spar two weeks, if that you get to a certain level, and it's just like it's it defeats the purpose of what you're doing. You know, it's like for you you saying like I can't see doing that because. For your purpose, like, your purpose to get into martial arts would be, like, some self-defense, mm-hmm. get in shape, you know, like, experience the, the health benefits of of getting in better physical shape and having more confidence mm-hmm. that you could defend yourself and that you look, look and feel a little better, too, and that helps. But not everybody's in it for those reasons, either. And people come in with these preconceived notions like... I'm gonna walk in here and tap you. And then this will be my gym. You know, I mean, I've had a couple of people that were that of that mindset and I, and I just kind of ask him, I'm like, is this what's going on? Like I used to be, I used to be a lot more indulgent about it five years ago and now mm-hmm. I'm just like, I was over this two years ago. I, this is like a no tolerance policy of like, this is the way things are. It's a non-negotiable thing. And if it's the third time we had that conversation, yeah. we, we, need to, we need to part ways. Right.
0: Three times is plenty. <laughs> yeah, and that's usually it. Plenty of it. a chance.
1: That's usually it. And I mean, it's, it's an interesting dynamic, things to balance. But um, in a big way, I mean, us have, being a membership-based service, you d- we do a lot of people. You deal with, we're like in a, in a way, I guess both somewhat in the people business. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I said, you know, you, you're nice to me, so I'm going to do business with you. You know, like that's, it's pretty much as simple as that. Yeah. My wife doesn't like that. I apply this method to tipping (laughs) as well. I'm like, oh no, you didn't do your job at all. I sat here forever. You didn't refill my glass that's going to be a 20% or less tip. Right. She's like 20%. It should be. What? Why is that a number? Yeah. She used to be a a waitress though. Okay. Like, uh, when we first, so she doesn't
0: like, if you go below that,
1: she thinks she thinks the 20% thing is BS and that you shouldn't put it in anything and that these waitresses deserve it. And our food was not late because of them or or whatever. And I get that. And I try and keep that uh, within reason as well. But sometimes you go and have a horrible experience and then I might be like, no tip, you know, and she's right. like, we're tipping yeah. 30%. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm not trying to stiff anybody either, but um, it's, a, it's a service thing.
0: Oh, yeah, sure.
1: <clears throat> and, uh, and, I you know, if if the service is there, I'll go, but it's, it's not about price. And I, and I try to never make it about the money, really, but it's like when people do do a good job. I wanna, I wanna, you know, if it's if it's a, a, a custom of monetarily r- r- showing your appreciation, that's fine. Right. I don't care. Like I said, I would pay you right. 180, even if I could order it on Amazon for 140. If that helps you out or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, is uh, or not even check what the other price is. It doesn't. Like I said, it kind of makes it irrelevant when you have somebody you want to do business with or right. you trust doing business with cuz man you never know I've I've ordered things from Amazon and you you get it in the fulfillment warehouse or di- distribution whoever put that in the package and sent it to you d- did the wrong size mm-hmm. like one time we ordered a bunch of clipboards for the gym um and we they were color coded clipboards we were going to use it for real particular reasons and uh we got them and they were like this big <laughs> and that was an option but clearly you could tell how like our receipt and everything, we ordered the big ones. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody just messed it up. Yeah. It's never going to happen if you order it for, I mean, it might happen, but then you'll just deal with it. Probably. Right.
0: I'll catch it before, yeah, exactly. you know, it, right.
1: So, and too, so, and then you have a close, you have a relationship with the distributor mm-hmm. so you can call your rep mm-hmm. or whatever. I'm same way on, like, like I said, we have times we forget to order things or we order the wrong size and, and Hey, we call hey can you know we're going to send that back, or can we'll stock this and can you send us another one, put it on a overnight or and it's just simple stuff like that, and I think it's super
0: well and there I think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors with online shopping and prices um when you sit down and you actually do the math on a lot of stuff, it's not more expensive to buy local um
1: it, the, it's such a small margin, and then, you know, I, I totally agree. It's yeah. like by the time it's all said and done, it's probably going to be a few dollars. Right. If that.
0: Right, right now. Well, and also the manufacturers will. Um, it gets a little tricky because I think this might be, um, I, I think there's laws that they have to deal with, but a lot of manufacturers are very um, restrictive on pricing Um, They won't allow websites to um, undercut brick-and-mortar dealers on certain items. Um, So, you know, I can have, say, for instance, let's just use a digital keyboard, for example. I can have a a digital keyboard marked $2,400 in my showroom, and, you know, you can go online and look, and anybody who's an authorized dealer is not allowed to sell that for, $2,200. Right, under $2,400. We've all got to have the same price. And um, what becomes the problem, and right now what the biggest issue is, is the sales tax issue. Um, A lot of people will say, they'll come in and they'll see my $2,400 keyboard, and they'll see it online for $2,400, exact same price. And they say, "Will you sell me that for $2,400. And I'm like, yeah, that's the price on it. But when I go to collect the money, I have to collect sales tax. And on $2,400, you're probably talking a couple hundred dollars mm. sales tax. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I'm giving this person this keyboard, but I'm asking them for $2,700. And they're like, wait a minute. I've got to give you 2700 but I can get it online for 2400 And the... um. They think that they don't have to pay, pay the sales tax on it, but there, there's a tax called a use tax. Yeah, that, we have to do that at the business. Right. Um, anybody who buys product online has to pay a use tax for that item. Now, the problem is, and I tell a lot of people that they're at the store, and you know I get these looks like you're either crazy or I never heard that before and most of the time they have not heard that, but, I mean, we're, you know, April 15th is coming up, the sales, t- uh, the uh, income tax deadline. And when you go to pay your Arkansas sales tax, there's always a section that's asked, asked about the use tax. And anybody who's bought anything online at that time is supposed to report the use tax, which is the exact same amount as the sales tax. So when um, it, it's created a loophole because... There's really no way the state can enforce that.
1: Yeah, I know. You know? Especially on, like, these Amazon. So that's what people are doing. They want that Amazon Prime, and they want the to not pay the use tax.
0: Right. And now Amazon's an interesting – I'm not a big fan of Amazon, uh, but they um, they have started collecting Arkansas sales tax. I, I haven't really bought anything on there um, in a while.
1: I think I did notice I had to pay tax.
0: Yeah. Nice. They, they have voluntarily, um, uh, you know, because a lot of states are are putting um, pressure on these companies, Amazon and eBay and anybody else, who, that, are, that it's kind of created this loophole. And so Amazon's one of the few that's kind of stepped up and said, okay, we see there's a problem. We'll go ahead and collect the sales tax. And what they do is anytime you pay that, then they, they, they're supposed to send the money back to the state. You know the state gets six percent, the Pope County uh, gets one percent, and the city of Rustville I think gets one or two percent. But the point being that 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 money goes right back into the community. So they, when when I sell something and I collect that twenty seven hundred dollars, they're still paying the same amount twenty four hundred dollars for the keyboard. But they're also paying a sales tax because they use the streets to drive to my business. If they got in a car That's a great
1: way to explain it.
0: Yeah, if they got into a car accident, then they used the police to come help them. Uh, The ambulance services, whatever. Infrastructure. Yeah, whatever that money. I mean, because, yeah, we live in America, you know, the home of the free. But it's free because everybody pitches in a little bit to help pay for it. And the loophole has created where all this money is going out of the communities. When you buy stuff online, that money that that pays for all our free stuff we enjoy is also, that money's disappearing. So, you know, eventually what will happen is that the communities will start drying up. And people will have to migrate to large metropolitan areas. And it, it, for the longest time... I don't want to. I know sometimes you talk about conspiracy theories on here.
1: I'm going to do a whole run of conspiracy shows.
0: You know, I, I I'm I don't know. Um, I'm half and half. It half of me believes it's unintentional, and it's just uh, you know, the 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 law that people constantly reference is, um, I don't know, maybe thirty years or more old. Uh, back when you had to order stuff out of catalogs, JCPenney's or Sears or Montgomery Ward, whoever the company was. Used yeah, to. J. C.
1: Penney still has a big catalog business as far Did, as I okay. know. Yeah. Uh, they still have that counter at the one here in Russellville. I mean, I knew somebody that worked at it uh, five years ago or something.
0: Right. Before the Internet, you know, when people had to order stuff, they would go into the store and order it or whatever. but uh Like Bass Pro Shops, for example, when they first started selling a catalog, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I can order all these fishing lures and not have to pay sales tax on them because they only had a store in Missouri, and they were a mail order business. Uh, But things have changed. A lot of things have changed.
1: That is uh, getting regulated right now. Somebody just told me yesterday on Reddit how they shut down, like, um, let's say you had craft beer, Mm -hmm. and you're in Missouri, and I have craft beer, and I'm in Arkansas, and we're going to trade – I'm going to send you crap beer, you send me crap beer from my state, your state. They shut all that down. That was going on – like they say there was a dozen situations like that. That hit Reddit at the same time as that YouTube policy uh, on uh, gun accessories and stuff. We did a little short little run on that with Chris Hausnick. Uh, he came on and did an episode, um, and he was just on AETN talking about uh, like gun control politics and stuff. So. Okay. Interesting.
0: Right now, you know, I'm I'm talking about collecting all this sales tax, internet sales tax, and stuff like that. And I don't want people to misunderstand. I'm I'm not, you know, just pro tax. I would be just as happy if the state quit requiring businesses to collect sales tax. Just make the playing field level.
1: Well, yeah. What do you think about the uh, not to get. not may, you may not have come here to talk any politics, and that typically has been coming up because yeah. of the what's the the political climate, I guess, right now. And that that guy mentions a, a political scientist, so he's PhD. But what do you think about the idea of like a universal tax? I know that uh, one person that's been big time pushing that, and I don't really. Um, follow his policies or anything too much, but it's a uh, Arkansas native, Mike Huckabee. Mm-hmm. He's been yeah. been big on that platform for years. Right. And that's the first person I heard say anything about it. And I think that he was, he was pumping out he's running for president. He didn't even run yeah. for president twice, right. two times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his, well, and now everybody uh, might know about him because his daughter is Trump's press secretary.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. Right.
1: Yeah, Sarah Huckabee Sanders right. or something like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, yeah.
0: When when I heard about it, I I thought it was a good idea. Um, I I think what they were saying is that they would eliminate all income tax, all these taxes, and they would go to like just a – the IRS would actually be eliminated, and it would be a sales – taxes would be paid on a nationwide sales tax. Um, To me, it makes sense because our economy – Is a, is, I think it's about 71% based on consumer spending, which means that um, people have to spend money to make the the system work. And um, everybody spends money, whether you're buying gas, whether you're buying car, um, it's crazy how much money you spend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't get up. Like the
1: number of transactions and how, like, accounting for that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're saying, like, I think about, I mean, just if you do or are a person that orders most of your products online, there mm-hmm. are people like that. Yeah. Maybe all. Right. Like, you can get back to get your groceries online, Walmart, and everything. Pushing it hard. Then it's like, imagine that tallying up in that loophole you're talking about right. for an entire year. It's like, you're not going to. Like every single little credit card transaction, let's say there were 300 of them. I mean, that might be a stretch, but, um, I do know, I mean, it's like, uh, we, you know, like we rent movies on Amazon periodically mm-hmm. or buy digital movies or, uh, there's just a lot of online transactions that, that I do just little, little bitty ones. Like I said, like if it's a little cable or something, I'm just going, and that might be a one, one transaction. Yeah. You know, um, like i i got these uh mic stands or whatever but i didn't get all 3 of them at the same time you know and then it, mm-hmm. but there's this, all these scattered out transactions i don't want to have to account for that man i don't right. even ask for receipts when i get gas you yeah. know it's just too much yeah. I, I would I, that's why i'm a proponent of it it's like make people's lives convenient one of the only things i've ever heard that i agree with that Do- that donald trump said <laughs> was that a concealed carry permit should be like a driver's license.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I heard that too.
1: But because of states like New York, uh, Washington, D.C., and California, uh, it can't be. So they're so strict on their their, uh, gun laws. Okay,
0: right. Yeah, and, you know, we're sitting here talking about tax, and and you've got a certain element of the population. Anytime they hear the word tax, I mean, they go into a, a frenzy, you know. Because they think, oh, you're trying to grow the government. You're trying to get the government. I like you that you use the word simplify. No, I'm trying to simplify things. Um, again, you know, we live in America, but the home of the free. But you know, in order for things to be free, we all have to contribute a little bit with the universal tax. Well, all the people who's not paying income tax, uh, they would still have to contribute to exactly, society. Yeah because they're going to buy their food, they're going to buy their gas, they're going to buy uh whatever. So it just it, the system's broken right now. And Agreed. um half of me half of me believes it's unintentional that we put a lot of people into office that have no clue what they're doing and um they're they're more worried about winning class president than they're worried about you know, doing what they're supposed to do when they get elected. And so as a result, we've gotten to the point where we've gotten to. Now, the other half of me kind of wonders if if it's all intentional, and they're trying to, by creating this loophole, you know, eventually we're all going to get herded down into one pasture, and if they can control where we get our food, and if they can control where we get everything else. Well, and I,
1: I was saying about this, and in a way, yeah, I, I have a lot of, um, contra- I, I almost wanted a public education. Okay. I actually have all the classes, but I family in public education. And, and they're probably sadly, uh, teachers. hmm. Yeah. Uh, like, um, Oh man, I, I I'm not I don't think I have any controversial views on it, but like uh, maybe on some of the stuff that's going on with with school shootings and whatnot. But it's um, teachers are underappreciated, and I agree with that, and it's sad. And right. I like I think that a teacher should be one of the highest paid positions, and it's not just because I teach a class on the side right now at sure. the, the university, but um, the teachers that have made an influence on me. And I was thinking this today. I think that public education is going to get to a point where people are no longer going to want to get into it i didn't want to get into it yeah right and uh like a buddy of mine made a made a post the other day I say somebody's been on the podcast it's like i just toured you know all the schools in johnson county and it was you know awesome and and they're they're doing such a great job and and the teachers probably are, but due to the crazy oversight by administrators and state and federal regulations and the and the population of students that are on this like a free or reduced lunch and uh you know like the the masses of look my dad's one of the smartest people maybe that I've ever known, but he he it's he's a different kind of smart mm-hmm. Like he didn't go to college wisdom he, yeah he's a wise guy and he just like things that I, I complimented him more and more when i'm around him because like just something like simple as like hanging my tv on the wall in there mm-hmm. the studs didn't line up the way i wanted them to and he's like well hey because i was like man i can't figure out a way that i want to do this it's gonna fit and be even the wall and look good and he's just like we're gonna do it this way and i was like man i never would have thought of that
2: Oh, he's and he's probably been there done that
1: yeah i mean he's he has he's worked i mean he's pretty much an amateur engineer he's an industrial electrician he's a master electrician, can do commercial residential super handy guy uh can shoot a gun left handed or right handed on long long gun uh handgun doesn't matter, just a real ingenuitive guy, but um he never uh received this. so like i'm not saying that people that that don't receive some sort of edge. Like I, like I got my jujitsu black belt. And other than getting a master's degree, that's my biggest accomplishment. Mm-hmm. 11 years, four months. Right. And, but f- so for those, those class of people, that's the people you need to make it. And, and, and that's the vast majority of the society, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Statistically speaking, it's like, not saying it's going to be 90 93 percent maybe it's only 75 but people that um they do not um receive any uh you know traditional college i don't know what the stats are i could be making them up but make things simple for those people i don't you know i like here's the thing i like why one of the reasons i didn't go into public education is because i'm a social studies guy history Mm -hmm. there's a, a likelihood that whatever job i got only having had six hours, two classes of this particular course in my entire undergraduate degree. And I'm talking like I had a hundred, I graduated 170 hours, I think. Okay. Which you need 124 to graduate. You know, it is. <laughs> Imagine when, that. You're an
0: overachiever. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then I went and got another degree after <laughs> that. And I'm probably going to get a PhD before I'm 40. That's one of my goals. And I, working at this community college, I get half price tuition through U of A. So. Um, but, uh, you know, most people are not going to go through that route. Uh, but I would have got stuck uh, teaching maybe American government. Like, oh, you're going to teach civics, American government, economics. Economics? What? Like, <laughs> I had economics. It was the only class I earned a B, and I was like, what? what is this? What? I shook. I saw the professor. He came to a birthday party at my gym like a year later, and I was like, "Thanks for giving me that grade I did not deserve." Because he <laughs> graded on a curve, which I could not understand. Yeah. Which I'm gonna have to grade this last test I administered on a curve. Just gonna figure something out. <laughs> but uh, man, it's uh, it's crazy that uh, like the further you go in the semester, the more people start getting behind. Like I was talking to one of my professors about it yesterday. It was at our event. but So like he's just like just focus on the ones at the top. Try and bring the ones at the middle up and those ones that are at the bottom. Reach out to them. If you've already reached out to them, you did your part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I got somebody that hadn't been there in eight sessions. And they haven't withdrawn. And they missed the test. And they missed the test review. And uh, the, I had this come up with another student last time. And I was just like, man, come on, guys. i had like i think one person not do the test last time i think three this time one legit excuse good girl but the other two is just like mia don't care yeah this is crazy man like and you and they're paying thousands of dollars to go get or you know uh, borrowing from the government thousands of dollars and I get these loopholes. It's like, and then that student loan money, like that's another area. Like, I don't know what the answers are, but of reform, because it's like, I see it going on. Mm-hmm. It's like these, like, after the refund checks came, attendance dropped.
0: Wow. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, like, literally, the day after. And then, one of my students made a joke about it. And I was like, really?
0: Yeah. I mean, that that's blowing my mind. Yeah. But
1: I can... Uh, Sadly, see that man. I dropped uh, before before I got my life together. I dropped out of college like, three times. Okay, and then it's finally when I was twenty three, and I guess my brain fully developed. Mm-hmm. um, I started getting my life together and yeah, doing this now. All of you know the gym and teaching, and I'm going to be teaching more classes as time goes on and doing more podcasts. So.
0: I think uh you know from high school to college for most people a break is good.
1: It is. And college is not for everyone. Right. And and you know I think that uh and this is like a a movement going on right now I guess but vocational degrees, mm-hmm. uh vocation vocational training, trades, unions those are um somewhat in short supply is what people are saying. It's like everybody has been getting bachelor's degrees for so long. And then these, then it was like my generation is, well, your bachelor's degree is not going to be good enough anymore.
0: I can imagine.
1: You know, I mean, that was literally they're like, well, you might as well just get a master's. And I got a master's because I was like, no way I'm teaching high school. There's no way I'm going to write your lesson plan on the board. And there's no way I'm going to do what you say. Like, because you don't know. Like, you don't know anything about this subject, and neither does the state of Arkansas, Mm -hmm. and probably neither does the federal government because I made it through grades 1 through 12 without learning about the Vietnam War or the Gulf of Tonkin incident slash resolution, unlimited war-making powers passed on to Lyndon Baines Johnson by Congress, unanimous to vote, all but two. And it's like, if we're going to do that, you know, it's like, uh, and then not teach our, our citizenry about it, In in general, public education, I I have a big problem with that. And uh, there's, you know, I just I don't I want I don't have like really true academic freedom as a non, right doctor doctorate holding professor, but um, I do get some some academic freedom. I -hmm. get to say I get I get some sort of a, a gray area between the book they give me. The consensus viewpoint of history, and then I can kind of blend those two and offer a third revision. Right, you know, a a different point of view. Like I bring in a lot of a lot of outside sources because the book just isn't going to fill in all the blanks. And man, teaching world history. Did you go? Did you go to college? Yeah. Actually, you go here locally, or yeah, Yeah, me too. Got uh, both degrees there. (laughs) So
0: I remember going back to uh, high school. Uh, a time or two in visiting with uh, some of my teachers and they were quite surprised that I was in college. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, I've, um, it feels good. I know that I've, I've seen some of my teachers and ran into them. I've been, go- I've gone back to give talks at my high school and, it feels good to make, like some of them are extremely proud of what I'm doing and um, it feels good, you know, like it feels good to make the, and these people I'm talking about, they were difference makers Mm -hmm. and how different like all this stuff I'm talking about is what I wouldn't get into teaching. Maybe that went on when I graduated high school in 06, I'm about to be 31, but, Maybe i just didn't see it back then, but I feel like things have changed a lot i'm sure and then like too, like my high school class is almost tripled in the amount of people that're graduating as seniors mm-hmm. uh, from my from o six to like you know do a dozen years mm-hmm. so that's uh you know i'm sure there's a lot of changing dynamics and they have to rein everything in tighter control and whatnot but there's you know the statistic of the it, i think russellville is like 75 percent for your reduced lunch
2: mm, okay
1: you know that's uh so there's a lot of stuff that goes on a lot of like i was I uh, observed at russellville and they're like yeah that kid over there is homeless wow and i was like really and he's like yeah i just gave him 20 bucks because he has no food or money and he sleeps on that kid's couch okay and i'm like He's like, you know, I might just go on, you know, and he's right. like, oh yeah, just 20 students like that. We just try to help, you know? And it's like, don't tell anybody we're doing it. Hey, I don't know, man. It's just like, I, I, teachers are underappreciated and I want to talk about why that's what I like. So like me and my buddy were kind of debating about it and it's like, yeah, they are. And it's not necessarily their fault, but the, it's just almost like law enforcement. It's like, they need people like me to go be a teacher mm-hmm. and I'm not willing to do it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because, and, and I'm not trying to be that. doesn't, I want that to come across the egotistical, but some of the people I've seen that I know that have gone on to become teachers, I'm like, you're not, te- <laughs> you're not teaching my kid, you know? <laughs> like, But, um, so it's like, I feel like because of the way things are, you're, um, getting a lower quality of individual first. Um, and then, um, not to say that those people won't get better at doing what they do. I know that I'm going to be way better when I teach this same course the next time. Right. I took this course on a nine day notice and I'll already have all my lectures written, know the flow of the class. The second time I do it's going to be way better. Yeah. So there is, you know, a couple of years learning curve, I think, uh, for new teachers. But, I think that, uh, I don't know, man, it's like once I observed and did that whole part, I was like, there's no way I'm doing this. And the just general discontent, it's like Russellville has a history department, like a lounge, like nine people, all the social studies, psychology, um, they all kind of have lunch in there and they all hate their job. (laughs) I mean, when I was there, it's like everybody there hates the administration, hates their job. Hates the oversight, and it's like, this is not good. How right. can you effectively guide the next generation when you are, A, upset about your job and the policies and the way things are, and, and people won't let you do your job, and I don't know. It's I appreciate the heck out of people that are willing to do it, but I do think that we're um, attracting a, a, like a lower tier of uh, people that are going to get into it just because... I've run into a ton of people that are like, nah, you know, I kind of wanted to be a teacher, and then I saw the direction it's going, or the oversight, and I don't know. I think uh, I think that it because I think there will be a big demand for teachers, mm-hmm. um, in in years to come, just because uh, the way public education is going. But I, what do I know?
0: You know more than I about that.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I, I know a lot of teachers too, and I, I do, like I never would want to come across as unappreciative. There are some teachers that aren't good. Um but uh and there's some teachers that aren't good that get better. It's mm-hmm. so it's like it's like that with everything. Right. Yeah. So it's to not to uh not to try to be overly general about anything, but man, so the like the, the epidemics with bullying, that's one of my biggest things. It's like the the teachers see that go on mm-hmm. on a grand scale, right, and turn a like a blind eye to it. I feel like, right, in certain situations. I had a eleven year old, ten eleven year old kid, eleven tell me that the other day that he sees a fist fight at school every day.
0: Wow, here
1: here locally, mm-hmm. is that a law and order? <laughs> yeah, Your special victims unit guy. Yeah, me too. Yeah, big time. Man, I really had a hard time when Stabler left the show. My wife did, too. So what season is it on? I actually have not kept up. It's on Hulu. I can watch it, but I haven't streamed it. The last – it's still going on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Benson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I got to catch up because Netflix is always way behind. It's like 22 seasons now. Right. right? Or something like Uh, that. Yeah. um,
0: For some reason, the number 26 is popping in my mind, but I mean – Could be. I don't know. I could have
1: stopped watching it the 22nd season. Yeah. It did, you know, I will say that um, around when I around when I did stop uh, kind of keeping up with it, it was kind of slowing down a little bit.
0: Yeah, and every, and, you know, for every three good episodes, there's one or two corny ones yeah. ever so often. But for the most part, I mean, it, that's kind of one of my bed shows. Um,
1: Me too. I saw, like, I mean, I watched every single episode all the way up to that. I was a big fan, and, and Stabler was one of my, do that. I really liked that guy.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I I'd probably need to watch. I, I wasn't watching it much then. There used to be a lot, di- a lot of different Law and Orders. Yeah, I know. And I never uh, really
1: kept up with the original, uh, just Law and Order. Yeah, but sp- the Special Victims Unit, and then what, like Criminal Intent, with like Vincent D'Onofrio, mm-hmm. and yeah. But I never really the CSI is the same thing.
0: Right, right. Did
1: you listen to the um, Michael Sandow episode? Jerry Bruckheimer's yeah. nephew. Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, coincidental, uh, and that dude has shot a movie with Maynard from Tool. Okay. Do you, you listen to Tool very much?
0: Um, a little bit. Uh, when they first came out, definitely. But yeah. over the Since years. they I've haven't done
1: anything in know. over 12 years. that's well, probably why then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I saw him a concert a couple of years ago and I was not, uh, super happy But I just, like, didn't have good seats and stuff. But, mm-hmm. uh, we got tickets to a perfect circle a different band project of the lead singer. And we're seeing them in May 26th or something like that.
0: So, you get a lot of concerts? There's a lot this year I'd like to go to. Uh in the past, no I I'm, I used to attend, I used to live in Nashville, Tennessee. Really? Yeah. For 12 oh. years when I graduated tech, I moved to Nashville. Awesome, man. And I've seen a ton of so concerts. So you probably there. saw it, boom, huh?
1: I've heard that like a lot of the musicians are leaving Nashville right now. Stur- you know who Sturgill Simpson is? Yeah, he lived in Nashville and just moved to Kentucky. He said that it's so it's blown up so much over the last ten years, in terms of being the musical hub.
0: And that you know, I I got out in two thousand and two, and that was kind of a win. You know, as far as the music industry, it used to you had you know you had to be present to win, and they. Uh, that was about the time when a lot of things were starting to go digital. You could record on a computer, and um, a lot of a lot of people started moving away. Even then, uh, I can't imagine what it's like now. I've, I've still got a lot of friends there, and I think the last time I went back was uh, maybe three or four years ago. Oddly enough, uh, we
1: saw that's what I think I told you. That's where we saw Roger Waters.
0: Oh, okay, no, so awesome at the arena downtown. Yes, okay. Yeah.
1: Yes. Amazing. That was one of the biggest arenas he did on his tour, and uh, so when I saw him in Tulsa, they didn't roll out the same production. Uh, it, and my buddy, the weekend before I saw him in Tulsa, saw him in Kansas City, the first stop on his show, if I'm not mistaken, okay. on the tour, and he had the same production at Kansas City as he had at the um, but Nashville. the Box Center in Tulsa. They didn't do that.
0: Okay. Yeah, you got to get the full show on that, I would think.
1: Yeah, if you get a chance, man, you can. They put all their rehearsal videos up, but there are so many. Like the performance of dogs, Pink Floyd's dogs mm-hmm. from that, the 2017 Roger Way, is, is the best performance I've ever seen of it. And I'm a big David Gilmore fan, man. Yeah. But And it's like almost depressing because there's two dudes up there that play play with them. I don't remember their names, but they just totally shred. And it's like, yeah, it takes two of y'all. <laughs> but. Um, Ah man, their their performance of Dogs is just—it's like they do Dogs and then they go into Pigs, three different ones, both off the Animals album, and uh, that's when like the pinnacle of the lights and the visual and it's uh it was it was such an amazing experience.
0: I can imagine. But
1: I I, I watch the videos from it all the time. Well, we actually find videos that show we went to in Nashville, super quality videos. Yeah. So. So what? So what were you doing in Nashville? Did you work there? Did you move there for a job? Well,
0: um, Playing you know, a band. I, uh, I I left here because um, I, I always had an interest in music, creating music. wasn't for sure what that interest was though, and um, I knew that was a music town. Um, I didn't realize it was so. This might sound like a stupid statement, but I didn't realize it was just so country-based music town. Uh, at the time, I wasn't really into country music. hadn't listened to it too much. And I'm not I'm not too much.
1: But, you know, um, I had been getting more into, like, Sturgill Simpson, who sings about crazy psychedelic things in a country. Like, he's talking about uh, the universe and mushrooms or whatever. He is just a tr- uh, on... A weird level with his country music, but uh, you know, I Todd Snyder, I wouldn't consider him country, but right, uh, the drive by truckers more southern rock, but they kind of dance around those lines. So it's like, I, as I'm getting older, I'm getting more into folk, uh, I, I like folk music, mm-hmm. but more sort of folk country, you know, kind of goes back and forth. Right, there's several bands I listen to that are like that, that I, and I mean, I, I actually enjoy some Garth Brooks.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, today, I mean, it all blends together. Yeah. Um, but back then, it was very, uh, you know, I, I, I thought I wanted to do something with music. I, I saw that all the labels had a presence there, you know, that Sony Records had an office there, Warner Brothers had a records there, and all the majors and all their little subsidi- si- subsidiaries, if that's how you pronounce that word. um, so, a lot of syllables in that yeah, word. Yeah, I thought, you know, I'll, I'll go, go to Nashville and see what's going on. Um, and so I got there and I experimented with a bunch of different things. I, I knew I never wanted to be an artist or a performer. Um, I didn't know if I wanted to be a musician or a recording engineer. And it turned out over a period of time, uh, songwriting is what kind of just spoke to me the most. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, uh, apparently always enjoyed to write songs.
1: That's uh that's fascinating, uh, cause, like well, for example, the Roger Waters, um, David Gilmore dynamic. David Gilmore flat out tell you, like, I am not a lyricist, mm-hmm. and um, I've heard like my favorite bands, Widespread Panic, and I've heard the current guitar player. He was not the, he wasn't the guitar player from they've eighty seven to oh two. They had a guy named Mikey Hauser, and then he died of pancreatic cancer, and then in oh six they replaced him with Jimmy Herring. But he talks about like coming up, and uh, they're from uh, Athens, Georgia. Okay. But he talks about coming up, and he's like, yeah, we could play all of, all of Zeppelin's tunes, but where's Robert Plant, man? You know what I mean? <laughs> There's no Robert Plant. And he's talking about the difference in a front man and the different shapes that a front man takes. And Panic is unique in that they have John Bell as their front man, but... It's about. I really feel it's about every member of the band.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe not their drummer, Dwayne Trucks, because he doesn't look like he cares about anything. But he's just that's like, a drummer, though. Yeah, I mean, I literally mean, expressionless.
0: Most of the time, they're in their own world.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's um, a good lyricist. I mean, think about how many pop singers don't write their own songs. Right. Did you ever sell any songs?
0: Well, no, that that was the problem because I, I just don't fit anywhere. Um, I, I wrote music more than I wrote lyrics. Lyrics always was, I, I would come up with music and then I would try to add lyrics to it. And the lyrics that I came up with were um, very, I guess, um, personal, which would work for a singer-songwriter who's performing their own stuff. But when you go to pitch this stuff, um, you know, even though, like, um, take, for instance, um, uh, I don't know, have you ever heard of Mary Chapin Carpenter?
1: The name sounds She me. doesn't,
0: uh, you don't hear a lot about her these days, but in the early 90s, uh, early to mid-90s, she she was a, a, um, one of the artists that I really liked her work. But she was a singer-songwriter, and uh, her stuff, I guess, was very personal to her situation, so it worked for her. But when you're influenced by people like that, and you write personal music and go to pitch it for somebody else to sing, lots of times you'll get these looks like, you know, Ooh, that's just a little too emotional. or.
1: Well, I mean, yes, I could see that, but too, I mean... There are a lot of universal themes as well i mean it, there's things that you go through that you would right. write about that are that would probably appeal to a large audience
0: and that that's probably my downfall because I would try to once I got that that critique that criticism, which was totally valid um, I would try to shape the song into something else to make it more universal. But then it started losing that magic for me. So creative process. Yeah, man. writing the music was, was almost therapy for me, but then when I started trying to shape it for somebody else, then I just didn't I, I lost the interest in it.
1: You ever hear uh, listen to a guy named Steven Wilson?: No. He's one of the, uh, let's say he's you. But learned all the instruments and started putting out all his own music. Okay. There's another uh, girl I've been listening to. Um, actually, we'll throw her up on the TV just to see what you think I'm, and uh, give her a little shout-out. Maybe I'll hashtag her. But I think she's, fr- she's from Australia or New Zealand, some somewhere like that. Her name is Tash Sultana.
0: That sounds familiar.
1: She's a, a solo artist, uh, writes some lyrics, but does – we saw outside of Roger Waters in Tulsa, a band kind of like was two guys, but um, they, what they were doing with their looping and mm-hmm. like, I've got a looper in the other room there and it's actually a buddy of mine. I, I might get with you. I, I would like to get a nice, uh, I can only do a couple of different loops at once before it, you know, I don't really know a whole lot about loopers, It's not even my, um, my looper but, um, I would like to get one. I've loved playing with it. Cause like it oh, yeah. allows me to play with myself. I mean, it is, it's hard to get the dynamic with other musicians going that aren't going to flake out on you <laughs> or, or whatever. But yeah, this girl, uh, Tash Sultana does all this looping and special effects. I'm about to, uh, on some of my audio episodes, um, like, when we listen to stuff like this, I'm mm-hmm. going to start pulling it in and recording it. She's super young, too. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to...
0: I thought the name sounded familiar, but she does not look familiar.
1: I bet you've seen... There's some videos of her playing on Facebook that uh, that uh, have gone viral. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is not a very good representation of what I like she listening is. to her about her, but... She gets uh this like almost like real trippy
0: atmospheric. Yes. Yeah.
1: And does a lot of looping and I mean this her her effects set up yeah. and all of her pedals and all of her processors and she's got a little DJ. Um I'm really into um electronic music. Oh yeah. Not solely. Um, obviously, but I really like um this band called the Floozies or big, gigantic. Um, okay. You know, and some bands have kind of, like the Floozies, they have a drummer and a guitar player who also DJs, like right there, just like, they got all these samples they do. But see, so she's doing all this herself live. Right. And she has like
0: 20-song sets she plays. Yeah. So it's like and her- super, look at all those pedals. Right. That's, That's the key. She's able to... Turn them on and off individually, yeah, and with looping that's very important, otherwise, I mean, if you're just sitting around the room, you can overdub one loop onto another, but when you're performing that for an audience, that might get a little repetitive and
1: there's a girl, Rob McCormick brought up on the podcast i don't remember her name, but I've seen her on Facebook several times playing like she does a a looping cover of um everlong by the Foo Fighters, and um kind of matches it up, yeah, or yeah. Peggy and uh Uh, Weird Fishes by Radiohead.
0: Yeah. So. I don't remember her name either. Uh, Yeah. uh, She's
1: fascinating. Uh, But this girl, for some reason, I've remembered her name just because she's out there like a planet, man. (laughs) Like, just like, wow, you're a solo artist. I mean, you see, and I think it is, it's like even three piece bands like Blink-182, for example, have a different lead singer now. They're not even the same band anymore. Okay uh it's like so those three dudes can't even get along imagine someone like widespread panic has six members or uh Roger Waters man the amount of musicians he had um three guitar players two backup singers Lucius Lucius uh these two girls um two drummers um, like a percussionist and then a a kit uh himself of course i mean it was uh, like a dozen at some point I had sax players like a dozen instruments or, or musicians on stage, like that's a, a production right. that was, I mean, for Roger way, it was a production, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's fascinating to see this in comparison to that. Right. I don't know. It's just, that's a creator right there. It's yeah. a, a content provider. Thanks for the content. Right. So, but that's it. You know, like I, I love that Dan Carlin calls it amateur content uh, Dan Carnes, this guy, has a podcast, Hardcore History. Okay. But it's like, that's when me and you, like, it's when we're done, and I'm going to put this on the internet. I've just provided the world with amateur content.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I but, mean, you are creating some content right yeah, now. Yeah,
1: well, I'm doing the same thing on my gym's YouTube page. Okay. I got 171 videos on there right now. And then I have uh, just did the first one yesterday, a 34-minute clip, but – I've got several of the podcasts I've done, and, like, when I get caught up or I have a lull or I might take a week and not do any podcasts and go back. But it's my goal to pull a bunch of clips for YouTube yeah. out of the podcasts I've done and right. put those on just to keep boosting my videos and views and uploads.
0: Right. So, and and that's right. I'm, I would imagine that would be where you get most of your views because, I shorter mean, videos. yeah, when you sit down, I, I like listening to podcasts. Cast before I go to bed, or I'll be at the store there doing paperwork, and I'll put your podcast on and listen to it. But you know, one, two, three hours out of the day, you are not going to find somebody who's you know.
1: Every time I tell someone about a podcast, it's typically like a one hour one. Like, so oh. some of my favorite, well, like I had a guy come on uh, named Eli Craner, It's an author. It's like we talked for like an hour. And it's just like it's probably my favorite one I've done in terms of like, I, a, I didn't know the guy at all. Mm-hmm. Like, at all. Right. He was like a referral, like, you should have this guy on the pod. I know you want to have me on, but you should have this guy. And I was going to have him and the other guy on. So they were friends and they're both published authors. And the other guy that's my good friend, he had to end up canceling. Okay. So it's just me and this guy I don't even know sitting here having a. Long form conversation, and it's just—it was, you know, it was really good because um, too is one where um, because I didn't know him, he talked the most, and I was really inquisitive and curious. Right, just like I mean, I've asked you a ton of questions too, but it almost made my job as the—I don't even really see myself as an interviewer, right? But I am in yeah. a way. I
0: mean, basically, this is me and you hanging out talking, and anybody who and wants I'm to not get distracting it. you at work. Right. Well,
1: <laughs> Not saying I do, but, you know, I mean, that's that's definitely something I'm aware of because, like, people come in and want to shoot the breeze with me, and I'm like, I'm trying to mop or right. or whatever. Yeah. You know, I'm definitely down, but uh, I'll be doing a private lesson. Somebody will stop by, or I'm I'm just done and closing up, and somebody stops by or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we uh, I do start super early, and I'm usually there two or three times a day, drive to Moralton a couple of times a week. Trying to do five podcasts a week for the last few weeks. This will be, I should get five out this week. Um, and I got five out last week. So,
0: what number is this one going to be? This,
1: I think, is number 40 total. So, um, okay, is this
0: going to be a life unravel? Yeah, this
1: will be a life unravel. This is number 19. I've done, um, uh, let's see, we've done eight MMA shows, three jujitsu shows. I've been working a lot on my history unraveled. I've been putting a lot of, effort into making it cool and um, so I'm going to probably, I'm going to try and sit down and do that one in probably like a week and that'll be mm-hmm. about 10 episodes mm-hmm. so I'm it's on 1968 uh, but then I've done show reviews oh, really? Birth
0: year. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm man, old man, what a
1: what a crazy year to be, alive, uh, to yeah. be born
0: Yeah, So Didn't I, Hendrix die that year? Actually, he died in
1: 69 the same oh, 69, year as uh, okay. speaking of conspiracy, the same year as the moon landing
0: Uh-huh
1: I do. You know, I, and I, I know people that are um, historians of the Cold War that don't think, but man, there's a lot. I look at that because I took a class on espionage yeah. and just the stuff that intelligence wise that we have done with the CIA and the NSA and, and we Google Earth technology in 1988. So, or we didn't, the government did.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm just kind of like, in the, spe- the way I look at the space race. And you fast forward like Ronald Reagan and Star Wars. Right. It's like I kind of am like when these people are talking about the the moon landing and they cite some of these key examples. I, I get it, but then then too. I'm I can't. I can accept not knowing on that one. I don't really care either way. Yeah. So
0: talking about it's funny. I made a comment one time on one of Rob's facebook post rob rob's always putting up very um philosophical posts yeah, yeah and it gets a lot of debate going and i love them and yeah
1: no like rob and i we had we talked about a bunch of oh, yeah. stuff he'll, and then he'll die right in and then too like right after we we're done he's like uh that one part about that one thing maybe the world's not ready for that one. <laughs> and i was like it's probably a good idea. Yeah. So we, well, I did edit out a small little clip of, oh, of something you? that we I uh, got onto. Yeah, I know. Out,
0: out clips or what is that called? Yeah. Well, outtakes. Yeah. Yeah. delete yeah, The
1: right. scenes. Um, but, it, and I totally agree. I mean, there's certain issues that, um, and it wouldn't have been anything that would have been construed as hate speech, but maybe right. under YouTube's current policies would have. Right. Um,
0: but he was, uh, he, um, I got into the debate, most of the time, I just enjoy reading them. But, um, and I'm I just, just here
1: for the comments. Yeah,
0: I, right, exactly. But I, I made the comment about, um, bringing something up about, uh, moon rocks, you know, and how people will use that as proof that, I guess, you know, we went to the moon. And, and I made, and I was just completely just. Not really being a smart aleck, but I mean, I was just kind of throwing something out there. It's like, well, you know, somebody can hand me a rock and tell me it's from the moon, but how do I know for sure that's the thing? You didn't
1: see him pick it up from the moon and then bring it back to you and hand it to you.
0: Right. And then all of a sudden, I mean, just all these comments got unleashed because I didn't realize that was a thing that people didn't, you know, that some people believe it and some people don't. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. I just opened up a whole can that i'd had no idea existed <laughs> yeah
1: no it's um
0: but and and then yeah you know so then when i start researching what people are talking about and everything and uh, i'm thinking about how are we able to transmit that signal from the moon all the way to the earth How are we able
1: to land on the moon in a tinfoil foil can
0: at the time i mean were we broadcasting even football games live i don't know i mean that you know Were were there satellites where, I mean, today we can stream anything online, but.
1: Totally. There's a lot of, there's a lot of holes in the narrative. And uh, like, I'm fascinated by, um, so some people theorize this. Okay. Some people theorize that the CIA, and by some people, I don't mean just Alex Jones. (laughs) A bunch of people have said this. Eddie Bravo thinks it. Several of Joe Rogan's friends think it, that the CIA contacted him and was like, you're going to shut up about these issues. And you're going to play dumb on these issues. They're going to kill your family. Wow. I mean, dude, if the CIA is going to come to both Eisenhower and JFK with a proposal to kill American citizens to ma- and make it look like Cuba did it. Right. And then fast forward to your birth year, 1960. That's when the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution was passed in Congress. Um, I actually know I was 64. It was sixty four, sixty five. It wasn't sixty eight. Ted Offensive happened in sixty eight, but the you know the kind of the culmination of all of that activity we had in Vietnam, um, it was definitely passed by LBJ. I think it's sixty four, sixty five. He had just, I believe, just won re-election because after Kennedy died, he became president and then had to run and get elected right after that. Okay. So Kennedy I was in sixty three, but um, and then literally LBJ not running for reelection 68, you have the the most corrupt administration to hit the white house possibly that we know about Nixon and Nixon. Oh yeah. And that's the, that's the war on drugs guy. And also, um, the person who really propagated the space race as a part of the cold war, um, or the person who at least, you know, it's like, you want to win some hearts and minds. You send somebody to the moon during the cold (laughs) war, you know, that's how I look at it. It's like, could this have been some sort of a, for lack of a better way of putting it, like a false flag, like, like almost like, because it was, you know, Russia had put the first man in space, I believe it was, and put the first animal in space. And it's like, well, we're going to the moon. Beat that. right, You know, and then and then fast forward to the 80s, and it's like Ronald Reagan's Star Wars program and the little digital videos they made, right. We're going to shoot the satellite lasers and it's going to. So, you know, a lot of people don't even believe that you can, um, uh, that intercontinental ballistic missiles are a thing. I think that they probably are. Um, but not on the level like I know Putin's just released that they have these new intercontinental missiles that could, you know, hit the United States from Russia or something. And that we don't have any system that can deal with it. And it's like, what you know, back when that was the threat, Ronald Reagan, it was like on, we were on the front end of that. It's like, we have this system that can deal with anything you create. But it was just a, it was a video. Mm-hmm. It was fake. It yeah. was a video and some speeches and about this theoretical stuff that would never even work at that time. Maybe it would now. I don't know. Star Wars. Cool name. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it got a lot of attention. Yeah. Until I, know. I found out there was no action figures involved, I'm like forget it. Forget this, man.
1: Boring. Yeah.
0: Lot lot better stuff going on in the eighties.
1: Yeah. I see I was uh I was growing up in the nineties. Yeah. Um but I pr- I got to appreciate the nineties. But I wish I would have been like um a, a little older in the nineties. I would have appreciated stuff a lot more. And that's like probably I listen to more music from the nineties than mm-hmm. than most other eras. Uh, I listen to a lot of music from the 70s, too, though. Mm-hmm. I probably listen to less music from the 80s, though.
0: And, you know, it's, I mean, I love, love, love 80s music. But anytime I'm watching, you know, behind the scenes on VH1 or any of the artists talking about the music they made in the 80s, they all hate it. Interesting. They all. Uh-uh. And, and that's, you know, like Queen, Another One Bites the Dust. I mean, I love that. I love but, that song. But when you know, when people talk about Queen, they very rarely talk about that song. Yeah, I know. I know. You know, and and time has, you know, revealed that they they do have greater songs than that. Obviously, but I mean, when when somebody says Queen, I think another one bites the dust. Heart, um, their Bad Animals album uh, was. I mean, I loved it, but anytime you watch a documentary where they're talking about those years, I don't even know if they play those songs in concert now. They just—they seem to not like them, and that just seems to be the case with so many different artists. Yeah, at you the know, time.
1: Billy Corgan was talking about that. You—you you listen to Smashing Pumpkins? Oh yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. not really an '80s era band, right? But he was just saying he's like, fans can't accept that I don't want to play the songs that they want to hear, that are are famous songs you know for yeah. the pumpkins he's yeah. like
0: well, i think he's, he's notorious for that yeah yeah
1: so he's like you know and he was talking about balancing it out that's a good episode of joe rogan if you ever get that's what i love about the like rogan archive i was telling somebody this yesterday i started watching every episode at eight fifty, and i'd seen some episodes before that and there's several people who's had reoccurring so like i've gone back and watched maybe a hundred episodes or more from the archive, Maynard was on several times from zero to, or a couple of times from zero to eight 50 Graham Hancock, Danelli Benelli, Dan Carlin. So, some people I've went and watched all their episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, hey, you know, this, I, when I had this person on the podcast, I'll go back. But you, um, like, this, Jared started an MMA show. So, like, when I was going to do the podcast, I was like, well, I'm going to definitely, like, we were talking about martial arts a lot today, mm-hmm. even though it's not, something that you do we're still talking about it and right. having a conversation but like instead of trying to I'll probably talk about it on different podcasts but now I have like a whole show that I talk about it on it's like this right. is all we're talking about for the most part same thing with movies and television I do a spot for that stuff yeah I heard um, you. yeah so like I'm about like to do Panther a review one. on uh, Goliath Goliath yeah, um, yeah it's a Billy Bob Thornton show okay. um, on Amazon okay eight episodes totally awesome and i binge watched it in two days and uh they're apparently making a second season but this the first season could have been a standalone hmm. it was good i was um surprised because i didn't watch it for like a year and then when i did watch it i was like this is amazing so um i'm gonna do a little review on that but those are something i'm trying to do for like shorter clips like what you were saying The MMA shows, that allows me to balance out things without trying to drown my audience that might not fight or care about that stuff as much as I'm going to want to talk about it. um, Big fan of music, obviously. Um, Get to concert reviews and things of that nature. I'm trying to, anytime we go to a concert, I'm trying to do a a music unraveled on it. Mm -hmm. And then I'm a history guy, so... Just, yeah interest. it gets it allows me to balance it out but uh kind of um you know balance out like this like the history will be all just one segment one time on that topic and then i'll do another history topic on down the line you know i want to do i want to do a history of conspiracies and a history of drugs on the podcast so and just take like um things like the moon landing and just look at er the um warren um was it the warren commission's report uh when j f k was assassinated mm. um a bunch of just uh things that people are divided on in American history particularly yeah. in the in the twentieth century so but that's you know uh yeah beginning to talk about that stuff is what really just levels me out as a person I feel like. I just like because like Coral would joke around with me. She'd be like, "You can't say
0: idea anymore today." Can't say idea.
1: Yeah, because I'm always like, "Hey, I have this idea." Oh. You know, I, this about whatever, like my podcast, classes, a technique, a brand decision, a t-shirt, whatever. Yeah, I've got a roll. I've got a, a wrestling mat in my kitchen rolled up. I'm a, It's not your typical. Person, maybe I don't know. I just really like, uh, and I tell people this: like I've I've surrounded myself with my interest, hundred mm-hmm. percent, and I just do those things. But it stresses me out like anybody else. I I still like this is a, I still got to live like everybody else and pay the bills and the mortgages and eat and pay the taxes. Right. But um, even though it's stressful, it's like I, I feel like people that don't do what they're passionate about, and people what do do what they're passionate about or they're both stressed out. It's just like how you learn to deal with it.
0: Yeah. Stress out, not happy. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, when you're creating content, all this stuff you're talking about is stuff that you enjoy and it's what makes you authentic. <clears throat> and so many creators will look for an angle trying to fill a void and, uh, you know, try to, uh, build an, um, an audience quickly by doing something that's, they're not passionate about or talk or doing things that it's not authentic to them and it never works.
1: Yeah. You know, and I've had, uh, I've had, to def- I've learned a lot just in a short time. I've only been doing it since December 27th yeah. or something <laughs> right. like that. But I've just, I've told a lot of people I might like, just look, give me a hundred episodes. Just be patient as I appreciate you listening to the podcast I'm still figuring this out, you know, and I'm humble enough to say that I'm not a podcaster yet. I am, but I'm a white belt podcaster, you know. And I think that after I hit that hundredth episode, I might be a blue belt. (laughs) So you know, it's a it's just a process for me. I think that my big milestones will be. I think that uh, there's a lot of stuff I've been talking about with production that I'm Mm -hmm. going to have in place by episode 100, and then by episode 250. I think that I'll be extremely settled in. And at that point, hopefully monetization and my audience is at a place where, and in the meantime, I'm going to start doing recordings in three to four different spots. So here's the yeah. studio, which yeah. I'm going to beef up more, add camera angles and, and do this, something with this wall over here. But, um, I'm going to do some, uh, podcasts. I want to do something at midtown coffee, mm-hmm. you know, with this recorder here and, um, and the, uh, the USB mic. So, uh, and I can even take my camera there. And so, right. if I wanted to, I could do audio only, my office at the university. Mm-hmm. So, I'm just going to start recording all my lectures while I'm writing them, not while I'm giving them per se, but just like in my office there, just recording them and using them for online classes. But I can also package some of that into my, um, you know, into my uh, podcasting channel as well. Like Joe Rogan's been losing it on the reformation. And I'm like, dude, I just gave it like a whole segment on that. Martin Luther all the way. Yeah, (laughs) It's a Protestant reformation of Christianity. Yeah. Wild times, 1540s. But, you know, it's so like it, people are interested in that stuff and it's authentic and it's just how you get it out. Like, I mean, something as simple as custom thumbnails, mm-hmm. like I'm having a couple more of those made for, uh, I've got a have actually haven't put any of this out, but I have a logo for every different spot that I'm doing. All, all you've seen is a life unraveled logo right. and maybe my background which is just the logo with the text. It's Mm -hmm. my YouTube cover and Facebook cover photo. But I have a different logo, text, and color, but it's round. It looks the same for after the show. And I just got to go through and add them, man. I just, you know, I just try and balance it all out. There's several times where I got to get caught up and put thumbnails on the last five podcasts. I don't have a producer or anything.
0: Right. And, right, that's the key. I mean, there's only so many hours in the day and – I mean, you're using every one of them. I'm trying, man. But I'm trying. get you an assistant. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that. <laughs> well,
1: I'm hoping that eventually um, something like that can happen. Yeah. I was, like my, my, really my goal with podcasting, like the, maybe the Zenith would be, uh, you may have heard me talk about this on the podcast before I've talked about a couple mm-hmm. is to <clears throat> approach someone like the amp or Verizon arena and say, give me an office set into your contracts with your artist one hour where they will be on this podcast and you will put this content out organically. It will get tons of views because of who the artist is. We'll put it out. You'll be making, Joe makes over a hundred thousand dollars an episode on YouTube. Wow. You know, I like wow. And sometimes he does. And I've done like three episodes on a Friday before, you mm-hmm. know, hour, hour and a half episodes. <clears throat> And that's why I'm doing – like, why I think it's important for me to do the um, – Not uh, some podcasters are solo podcasters. They don't have guests on. Dan Carlin doesn't really have guests on. Okay. He does. He is a guest on other people's podcasts. Right. So, like, I have that. It's like Life Unravel will always be guest spots, like yourself. But the History Unraveled, I'll have mm-hmm. guests on, G- MMA, but I'm also going to do solo ones, too. Mm-hmm. And um, that's helpful to me, too, because not not always – or people interested in what I'm interested in. But like I said, I do this for me too. Right. You know, it, yes. it, it brings me down. I've got a lot of uh maybe hyperactivity. I don't know what you call it. I definitely have <laughs> a condition though. Um But I just want, I just uh, want to produce stuff. So it sounds like you probably have been the same way though. Yeah. I am a list maker, man. Yeah. I am always... I'm organizing. not. I'm not throwing.
0: Uh, I haven't thrown a lot of content out into the world yet, but they're in there. There's a lot of stuff that eventually I will.
1: You know, and too, that was a big thing for me is just figuring out what mediums to put my stuff on. Like you, like when you told me, what what app do you listen to the podcast on? Like Listen um, FM or Castrex? Or it
0: is. I think it's called Cast Box. Okay, yeah. so
1: that's. That's one I don't even know that I'm on. But Spotify submitted me to like four other platforms once I got on Spotify. And I wonder too, I've noticed on Spotify, yeah, I didn't even know I was on there. Um, Spotify doesn't have all my episodes. I don't know why. I don't know if I said a bad word or or what. Yeah, excellent. Um, and- uh, they added some more recently. But. Uh,
0: mm. I was using just a native podcast app, but I'm lo- I'm getting low on memory, so I had to delete it. For some reason, it was... Man, I finally
1: off. bit the bullet and got a 256-gig telephone. Wow. I know, man. I'm just never going to have to delete my pictures ever, and it's great. That was my last one, 16 gigs, and it wore me out.
0: I'm still, this is like Galaxy 4. Yeah, I've always,
1: um, for the most part, had the iPhone.
0: Yeah. And have been pretty happy with it. I,
1: I don't really want to switch, but I almost did. I made at t I was like, you guarantee me that you told Apple that that's bullshit about scale, uh, dialing your phone back so you get an upgrade. Right. You know, I was like, "That's that's not going to go on. And I'm like, and if it is going to go on, we're done with, with the iPhone. And they're like, no, AT&T is, was not happy about that apparently. And they have said it's not. And I've had no issues with this phone. But my last one, it's like it, gets, it starts getting older. It's like um, basically I just pretty much hardly ever do the software updates. Mm-hmm. But I noticed the last two updates I did on my last phone just tanked it. I mean, it wouldn't work. Like Everything's slow. And in part, but then I'd always keep my memory cleaned out and bare minimum on my apps. But I'm I'm like maybe 16 gigs on that one, and no no big deal because I got all my apps. As i download a bunch of apps. I'm like I'm keeping all of these on my phone. My mapping apps and MMA news apps, stuff I was not going without because I didn't have the space. Right. So I need to get like a, a cell phone. That's another thing. I'm gonna get sponsors. That's the goal is to get, um, kind of a sponsor in everything I'm doing MMA or Jiu Jitsu sponsor, uh, a music. I want to get a live concert streaming. So let's say you and I have a favorite band. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, um, so and so, uh, hearts playing a live show or whoever, <laughs> you know, you just mentioned <laughs> a couple of things. Let's go, Metallica. Yeah. Well, okay. Okay. So let's say, let's say we, um, can't make it to the Verizon show, it's sold out. We didn't get our tickets. Right. There's uh, several services that will stream that live, and you can, p- uh, pay a membership to be a part of their network and get all the. So, what I would like to do is like, we did a fight companion on the last UFC where we just watched the fights mm-hmm. for three hours mm-hmm. and talked about them. I want to do that with a concert that I can't necessarily go to. That's mm-hmm. an Epic concert, mm-hmm. but I want those people to sponsor the podcast and just give me a free membership. And then I'll do an ad at the beginning. Hey, you got to get on Quello concerts or Nugs net. Those are the two biggest ones. and, you know, give a little spill. Uh, Joey Diaz from the Church What's Happening Now was doing a sponsor spot earlier today on, um, I listened to his last one, uh, for Fuji Mats. I have Fuji Mats in my gym. So, you know, it's like becoming an influencer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, man, I hadn't really even tried on social media. And I like how these podcasts are, like, submitting me to all these other platforms. And I applied for a Wikipedia page. And I haven't heard, it's been a week. I haven't heard anything back. Like, you have to go through it. There's a screening process, apparently. But I've got, um, and until I do a website, i put all my gear, my keywords. Just, you know, just got, I wrote some text, the history, when my first uh, episode aired, and what platforms were on, hyperlinks. And that way, it's, you know, it gets me out on there a little bit more. But this is a lot of stuff I'm going to have to get in order. I'm going to have to start getting my social media, pushing out more on Facebook, and make a Twitter, and... That way people want to sponsor me. Right. I get good downloads. I got, I mean, I have thousands of listens already on all the platforms, but. Oh, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You and <laughs> you and three other really loyal listeners. Um, but, uh, it's, it's nice. Uh, it's growing, but, uh, it's like, I'm fascinated by figuring these things out. Like how, how am I going to get someone to sponsor me? I got sponsors when I compete in jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Um, and I you know Cora has sponsors now; she competes she's got some um higher end sponsors to support her fighting career, so that seems to be a route that all these other podcasters are taking getting sponsors to kind of push their push their product for them.
0: When is her episode going to be on i don't know is she not wanting to do it well like here's
1: the thing like it'll be like ten o'clock at night, and then on a whim she's like, "Let's do a podcast and I'm like. We don't do the podcast that way because <laughs> like I like to have, well she, I want to do a life unraveled or an MMA episode with her. I want to do both with her, but mm-hmm. I'm like, what's schedule it? And she's like, no, but you know, it's, it, we're, it's where it it's one- epi-
0: Yeah. Let it be that one episode. That's just. Totally impromptu. Spont- yeah. Totally yeah. spontaneous. We
1: will. She, there's a couple of shows we've watched together that I'm wanting to get her on to talk about because she's, She is extremely smart and extremely articulate, but she is a little bit of an introvert. Self admission, it's not anything she's like, uh, you know, ashamed of or anything. But we do so much, and I'm just like, yeah, I keep taking the energy, you know. I'll put off some more, and it it's draining to some people to be, and me too at times to be as involved um, as we are.
0: Yeah. Well, you're starting to build. I would think that you're starting to build an audience. Of you know, you talk about certain people over and over in different episodes. So eventually, I think the audience would like to meet those people.
1: Exactly. You yeah. No, that's what,
0: and I'm trying to with do that her, too. You know, winning that fight last week, and
1: we're definitely going to do one, uh, whether it's a life unraveled spot or or an MMA spot. But she's definitely going to come on and talk about uh, which this whole last week, you know, when. She and I have an interesting dynamic because we we own our business together. Right. We're married. Right. And I'm her coach.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Very interesting dynamic. So, I mean, we butt heads on things a lot. It's like, hey, can you do this thing for the business? Well, why don't you do it? You know, (laughs) there's little things like that. Well, the division of labor allows me to do these things, and this is in your department. Uh Oh, is it now? Right. You know, and it's both of us that way. Yeah. you know it was it's a balance thing it's like uh we have employees and stuff but she's pretty much youth program director and business manager and i'm uh head coach adult program and then we kind of co-direct the fitness program and yoga and have employees that work in in, in the assistant instructors work in any given part of that but when it comes to coaching she gets all her info from me unless she travels to train with, like, our coach cornered with me the other night. Ironically, the same guy that married us, Danny Dring. you probably heard me talk about him. I'm hoping he comes on April 12th. Okay. Uh, he's coming in town for an event at my school, and um, this guy's the first person to get a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Black belt in Arkansas. Wow. So uh, in 01. But, I mean, just, like, it takes years. Right. I think he said the first Jiu-Jitsu seminar he did was in 88 and didn't earn his belt to 2001. So I get that. Yeah. But, uh, it, it is an interesting dynamic and I would like to get her on to, I'm sure people, uh, would love to hear us talk about it. They would. Know?
0: Yeah. It would be interesting. Yeah.
1: Well, and it is uh, like how many people, uh, we are getting in there. It's an, it's an interesting couple of people doing an, uh, like I said, a buddy of mine, Daniel Ray, I was talking to him earlier. Um, and he's been listening to podcasts, and I was like, Yeah, man, this guy owns a, a, a music business, a music store. Uh, and he's coming on, he's like, Man, that is an interesting person to talk to that is kind of a niche, you know, that cool, you know, it's like not the everyday thing you get to sit down and talk about, small what? business owner and everything, right? But, uh, that's, uh, I think that people uh, that's the authenticity of just being real and sitting down and Hey, yeah, most people aren't martial arts school owners and that's the only job that they really do. And also follow all their passions. Right. And I I like in some way want to inspire people to do that more. So,
0: yeah, and it does. It does. I mean, I've dabbled, um, you know, being a creator, I've dabbled with, eventually I'll, I'll put up some kind of podcast that deals with, um, once I put, get a lot of music out there just kind of, um, I, I look at it the way that um, on a, when you watch a, a DVD, they have a director's commentary. Oh, I love that. Yeah, where he's explaining what was going through his mind when he made the movie. And eventually, you know, because when I was in Nashville and some of the um, feedback, um, I, I, a lot of people would misinterpret interpret a lot of my stuff you know I guess it kind of ties into that being so personal and to me it didn't really feel personal or you wouldn't have heard it to begin with you know if it was one of those things where it's just so personal then I'm not going to play it for anybody I felt like it was okay to let it out into the world but um, apparently you know it would get misunderstood and in this day and age when you've got so many resources to where you can go and um get the behind the scenes information that it will be a companion to once i do put more music out there that it you know if somebody's like what in the world does that song mean they can go and hopefully listen to a podcast about it
1: watch Red, uh someone did uh, a series of podcasts on watch Red panic like that it wasn't oh, panic yeah. but they did they what uh, oh, i forget they had they called it something like uh Uh, story of the song or something like that it's basically like interviewing them about why they wrote that song yeah and putting it out panic has been so good about putting out um videos i never i I made a facebook session the other day i heard them come on in the coffee house that i go to midtown coffee and i was like man it's gonna be a good day i've never even heard widespread panic over speakers anywhere except my house or my car or a concert right so I, it's crazy. I never even meet anyone who knows who they are.
0: Right. I mean, I'm not familiar with the material. I've heard the name. Yeah, they uh, for a long time, but
1: they are. Um, just while we're sitting here, I'm gonna throw up a song. Uh, they they shred. Uh, it's, it's wild how good. Uh, it, and I think that it's more so they have a catalog of over 300 songs. Right. Do you like uh, Bill Withers?
0: Um, ain't no sunshine. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, um have you ever heard that song he does, uh Use Me? Oh yeah. You yeah. go use me up. I'll play you um widespread panic's version of that. Uh I got to see them play this live actually. Oh, let's not let's not do that. Okay, this is they have actually had more sold out shows at Red Rocks. You ever been to Red Rocks?
0: Just seen it on T V.
1: Um, we went there and saw Incubus play, but they have more sold out shows at Red Rocks than any other, um, any other place or i sorry, any other band ever. So.
0: Ah, the, he's playing a Roland digital piano. Look at that.
1: There you go. <laughs> you See, sell Roland?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Since the mid eighties. That's I, I'm not a real brand. Earlier you had asked about brands that I carry. I, I'm not a real brand person. Uh, to me, you know, instruments are tools and whatever tool does the job. Yeah. But Roland, Roland is a fantastic.
1: I noticed you have a lot of Dean guitars yeah. in there. I, I actually, I played a few Deans and I I really like the action on the neck.
0: Yeah. Um, played on the acoustics or. Uh, actually electrics. Yeah. Yeah, that's kinda why I started carrying Dean because of their electric guitars. Yeah, I
1: was highly impressed. Uh, a guy I went to high school with had a Dean and yeah. it was super nice.
0: A lot of people aren't familiar with their acoustic instruments because that's funky.
1: I know, right? <laughs> they their uh, guitar player there, Joe Joe Herman. They do um Oh man, they do a lot of covers like this, but uh their piano player sing some of their songs. Um He's I'm playing to,
0: he's playing through a Roland blues cube amp plug.
1: Nice. nice. There you go. Uh, see John Bell's voice is amazing.
0: I mean they're one of them bands when when I think of them and what little I do know about them, it's like isn't every musician phenomenal at yes. their position. Oh my
1: gosh, yes. Yeah. And too, so their their original drummer Todd Nance quit the band in like twenty fourteen, retired and, After uh, how long? Since 87. Okay. So, 97, 07, over 20, Almost, 25 yeah. years, something like that. Um, Jimmy Herring joined the band in 06, but he played for the Dead. He played also yeah, with Colonel know, Bruce right. Hampton.
0: They're kind of like, when I hear their name, I think of them being the grandfathers of yes. this.
1: Until the, they added John Mayer. John Mayer? John Mayer plays at the Dead. Now? Yes. Really? We can pull that up if you want. Actually, you know, it's not bad. We'd consider going to see them, but it's just kind of like, do we really want to go see John Mayer play with the dead? But Jimmy Herring played, so like, here's what I tell people. Widespread Panic has a catalog of 300 songs. Yeah. Covers, originals, everything. Jimmy Herring had a catalog of 300 songs he had to learn for the dead. Right. And then, also, Colonel Bruce Hampton has tons of albums that Jimmy Herring recorded with him on in the Aquarium Rescue Unit. and Colonel Bruce Hampton died on stage last year at his 70th birthday party playing. John Popper from Blues Traveler it was shredding a harmonica solo, and he just, like, fell over dead.
0: That's the way to go.
1: Yeah, I mean, like all the Panic was playing. They had I I played this kid that was a uh, black kid with a fro, just jamming on Facebook the other day. I forget his name. He was there. He was playing. He was soloing. And um, they had uh, Derek Trucks and uh, Susan Tudeshi were on stage. Wow. So Dwayne Trucks, the band, the drummer of this band that replaced Todd Nance is Jimmy Herring's son-in-law. That's Jimmy Herring on the guitar. But he's also the nephew of Butch Trucks from the Allman Brothers. That was the drummer for the Allman Brothers. And Derek Trucks played in the Almond Brothers when he was 11 years old. That's Derek Trucks' brother playing drums right there. Okay. So it's just kind of like they're plugged into all these other bands. And like the very first time that Panic played at Red Rocks, they played uh, with Blues Traveler. So, and then John Popper is playing a harmonica solo when Bruce Hampton, who was in a band for years with Jimmy Herring, passed away on stage. <laughs> so when we saw Panic in Mexico last year, Bruce Hampton played a few songs with him. And then I met Bruce Hampton leaving for the airport and shook his hand. And then he died like a few weeks later. Wow. So I'm not really into Bruce Hampton, but it's a cool little connection. Yeah. He actually had um, an album called like I Love You, Arkansas or something like that. Okay. Interestingly enough, but, uh, uh, yeah, all that c- Dave schools there on the base. He's wrote a ton of articles for Rolling Stone, the Rolling Stone over the years. They're a uh, world percussionist over there. Sonny Ortiz. He's awesome. I saw him play at Memphis in May and he was wearing a shirt that said Arkansas real shady, real, what, <laughs> real shady. It had like a tree on it. <laughs> it was funny, but, uh, they're a jam band. Some people don't like jam bands. Right. I do.
0: Right. And that'll be... um, I'm kind of purposefully avoiding that genre.
1: Of jam bands? Yeah. A lot of people do.
0: Just because one day I know it'll be such a discovery and this is going to be the third time we talked about Rob, but Rob made a comment on the podcast about how he doesn't watch trailers because yeah, yeah, yeah. he remembers going as a kid and just the excitement of everything being so new and so fresh. I mean, because when Star Wars first came out, we, nobody has seen anything like that. And you're like, this is amazing. And there's not too much in the world today that gives you that feeling. I uh, felt
1: that way the first time. I, I, see, I never even listened to Panic until I yeah. saw him live. Yeah. And I, I literally was standing, it was at the amp, and I was standing up on the hill just like.
0: Yeah, right. And I feeling. was
1: mesmerized. And when they were done, they played like 23 songs. I was just like, it's like, it like time stopped and it's over and it's fleeted. And yeah. I was like, oh, wow, like what did we just see? Right. And I've seen them, I think, nine, nine times now. Right. Something like that. Okay. Seven. Some May. I, I, I know
0: and when I discover seven. them that I'll have that feeling. So it, we'll
1: see in two bands like this, like they have such a wide, like drive by truckers is that way for me. They have yeah. such a big catalog where the hell do you even start. Right. You know, here's uh here's another one. If you like, uh, the piano work of, uh, Mr. Jojo up there. This is a cover. I can't remember who sings it originally. Ride me high. Mm. Let me, uh, me f- find out the original artist for you
0: yeah he's very much into the jj kale okay
1: his original recording artist
0: he you know he's got the looks like the hammond organ up there and that sound is that stevie wonder oh like, man Clavino it's no so hug. funky yeah. right
1: yeah i'm glad you can actually explain it to me because i have no idea <laughs> i just know it sounds good when it goes in the ear but, uh so, like, at the, the, one of the concerts I uh, saw him at, like, he was playing some song where they were just shredding and he was doing stuff like that. And they're, they said, way faster. And the, the guitar is solo and stuff. And uh their percussionist is doing yeah. this. And he'll go to his hands and he's doing this. Right. They were going back and Racing forth, like a other. contrast. It was uh, super cool to see, to see him do that on the screen.
0: Just to give a local plug... Um in June there's going to be a concert at the, um, Restville high school art center. I think they call that the center for the center arts. for the arts. Yeah. yeah. Is that the one Rob soon? No, this is uh this is a guy named Brian Faulkner, um, who from a musician level is very much on par. I mean, he's like, you know, you got the next level and then you got the level after that. And, uh, that's, that's, he plays that way and, um, they're doing, did you hear about, uh, last, um, November, I believe it was the Trans-Siberian Orchestra tribute show that they had out there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was him. Really? Yeah. And it was so well received that... Is he uh, local? Yeah. Orkansan? Yeah. He's, uh, he's, uh, him and his wife actually have a non-profit here in town, uh, acme acme the arkansas center for music education okay yeah yeah, and um he um back in the 80s or 90s they had a, a local band that uh see this is why i wanted to hook my computer up because i can't remember anything i can't emergency broadcast i think is what they called themselves Anyway, he, he pulled in a lot of those guys to um, do the show out there for Trans Siberian Orchestra, and it went over so well that he decided to do a show in June, and it's, it's all going to be 60s, 70s, 80s, I don't know, maybe 90s rock classic run. i love
1: i love covers man but
0: you know? um right i mean for a local for a local show it's going to be something that will be um, i'll have to keep my eye on that because yeah. uh
1: you know it's nice having like we went and did an escape room the other night yeah. it's nice having stuff to do local a lot of times we we'll go to little rock or northwest arkansas right. or out of state even but it's nice having stuff like a variety of stuff you can go see and do and russell's getting better about that yeah. for a thirty thousand person town you know yeah 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 so what do you think of this panic that you've heard uh just in the last few minutes, a couple of songs that I enjoy.
0: It's amazing. Yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, that's that's how I knew it would be.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I, I've had to kind of become a scholar of their work to be able to process it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, and it did. It, I've been listening to since 2014, and and just uh, it took me a couple of years to really get into them. So, but yeah, they're uh, they're definitely a, a pleasure to take in.
0: Just so I have my facts right, I pulled that up. It's um, June 20, uh, June sixteenth at seven p.m. Okay, it's at Rustville
1: Center for the Arts is that what it's called? Center
0: for the Arts. It's called On a Summer's Night. Okay, yeah, and, and I've even seen that uh, ca- that photo of classic rock. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean those guys jam too. So you know. I mean, it'll be a lot more structured. Obviously, they're doing songs oh, uh, uh yeah popular songs so. i wonder if mr faulkner would want to come on the podcast possibly
1: that's just been uh like i'm trying to network with more people i don't know and then too, apologies to the audience again like i haven't other than cora doing a show review with me like i just contact i've kind of talked to a, a few women um about coming on three particular but i haven't had any
0: female guests you know i kind of thought about that for a minute though. yeah that, no
1: i haven't and two part of it um uh yeah, you know, it's gonna sound kinda strange, but so since the studio's at my house right I, I don't I I don't know if anyone feels uncomfortable and I would want Cora to like be here while we did it sure. just so yeah. they didn't and like the people I might have on I like know really well so it's not an issue, but I've kinda held off. I've got several potentials that I just kinda like figuring out. Yeah. Well um, then
0: maybe the coffee shop yeah exactly. you get that do
1: it being mobile right. will definitely well, help me, yeah,
0: I mean no, I get that, I get that so I mean, yeah, and lo- there's been lots of times you know making music um doing collaborations and things um you know your your home is your sanctuary, so uh when you get together with musicians, lots of times they'll bring people that are hanging out with them mm-hmm. that you know you don't necessarily want around.
1: Or to come back and rob you later. Right. <laughs> right. Right, I mean, you you know, you joke about it, but it's well, like it happen. yeah, happened.
0: I mean, especially when I was recording in Nashville. I mean, fortunately, we was going into a studio. Um, and it. But there would be guys I was collaborating with who would, they, you know, would bring friends with them, and they would be selling drugs out, <laughs> out in the waiting room. And I'm like, well, okay, I didn't really want that going on at the session, but... Um, yeah. So I no, I, I get it as far as, you know
1: Well and it's like one thing I've made the right do, setting for them. I, I've been working on um we've been doing a lot of remodeling. Like we remodeled like a ton of this house which is when yeah. we moved in July. And eventually we're gonna build a carport. Mm-hmm. Like probably in the next uh, two or three years I'm gonna do a carport and a new roof. And um when I do that I would kinda like to build a loft and build a custom studio up there and underneath the loft, um I just, like, i pull pulling my cars in, but then underneath the loft, I want to roll out a mat and hang a heavy bag, and, you know, it's, and to, too, like you said at home sanctuary, like, right now, Corey and I are super young, we don't have kids, we have a dog and two Siamese cats, uh-huh. you know, I know, I just petted them when I went in there,
0: he's <laughs> restroom. What's their names, the cats?
1: Mrs. Kitty. Okay. She's, uh, she's single, but she's still a missus. Right, right. Not Miss Kitty. That's a point of okay. contention with some people. They will get corrected if they call her. Uh but and then Winnie, like Winnie Cooper from Wonder Years. <laughs> right? So those are their names, but uh they have a lot of funny nicknames too, so uh but yeah, they one's a seal point that like the darker colored Siamese and the other one is a um they're called lilac. Okay. It's like a gray Kind of a white and gray color, and gray head instead of a, like a dark brown head. But they're beautiful little cats.
0: We we've taken one in recently, and um, I don't know what, I know it's some sort of Siamese, and um, we haven't named it yet. Oh, there you
1: go, uh, boy, girl. You know, it's a girl.
0: Yeah, nice. Yeah, it was meowing outside the window. Um, back before that four days of crazy rain that we had. I think this one it was the yeah. storm so
1: man it's crazy how many cats and dogs um are- ra- roaming around like yeah just strays, yeah, I know some that works for animal control
0: this one i I'm just speculating, but I think that I know the there's a road that goes we kind of live on a, what what would it's 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 a road, but it's kind of a off-the-beaten-path type yeah, road. Like
1: a county dirt road or something? No,
0: no, it's it's paved. It's just um, the only reason you would be on this road is to get to your house, generally. Yeah. But down at the bottom where it connects to a main road, there was a rent house, and this cat showed up like a day or two after people had moved out of that uh-huh. rent house. I'm thinking that maybe it just got left behind.
1: Well, yeah, our cats, when we moved here, because we lived in an apartment for like seven years, Yeah. and when we moved here, they like... They just knew something was up. And then when we got them here, they would only live in that room back there. They're I like, "We're," cats. and then they would get under the couch. Yeah. One, the, one of them's too fat to get under the couch, but one of them, there's a couch back there and get under there and we had to get her out and pet her. It's going to be okay, Mrs. Kitty. Real delicate. She got disappeared for seven days. Right. Got out somehow and just gone seven days. We got her back and then she'd been all nervous ever since. <laughs> So, um, like when we moved, they were just like, F you. You know, I mean, literally. And now we've got them. So they finally got to situated in the house. Right. And then we got a dog. Great. And he loves them. Yeah. But they hate him. Yeah. (laughs) So now they won't come out of our room. (laughs) They'd literally just live on our bed. Uh, The dog is 11 months old, but we bought him when he was three or four. So they were here for maybe six weeks without the dog. Okay. But that's one thing that like uh, we were like, well, when we move, we're gonna get a dog. So he's and he's a total child. He's a chocolate lab, but he's eleven months old and he's a hundred pounds. Wow. He's huge, and he's a total child. So he can oh, yeah can't be out while you're over. He'll jump on you. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he's a he's a freaking hilarious little dog too.
0: Uh, the apartments that you were in were you allowed to have the cats
1: you know not <laughs> <laughs> not really i think there was a policy against it but they um not enforce yeah, it
0: most of the time there are when um when my when me and my wife were dating she lived in an apartment mm-hmm. and she had two cats and um some of the major stress events in her life was when the maintenance guy would come and change the air conditioner filter or when she would come home and see one of the cats in the windowsill looking out enjoying the sunshine. So um, that was several years ago. But when they were able to live in a house and freely roam and jump up into any window they wanted, I mean, they loved it. They didn't, you know, they didn't, they didn't have to acclimate too much. Yeah, yeah. But,
1: See, the dog is the only thing stopping them. But yeah, at the I, same time, too, well, the one, the one cat, Winnie, the fat one, if there's any food, she comes out and she's just like, I'll just beat this dog's ass. I have yeah. claws. Oh, Mrs. Yeah. Kitty doesn't have claws. Oh. And, um, but she's just like, she has no fear and like kisses and spits at it and stuff. Just And, uh. It's funny, but she's like she'll come in there and get a piece of meat or something and and eat it and just rule the roost. But Missus Kitty, where we think she like just don't never leaves. But like it was like Cora was not feeling well the other night and like slept on the couch. Got up at like three a.m. and like you know was drinking. And then I got up one night and uh, I told her this. I was like, yeah, I think Missus Kitty roams around mm-hmm. when we're when the dog's in his kennel at night and we're asleep.
0: Mm-hmm. And she's
1: like, I don't think she does. Cause I came in the kitchen one day and she was like in there and like scurried back to the bedroom. Like, and, uh, I'm like, what are you doing in here? Right. And, uh, and Cora said the same thing when she got up at like three a.m. the other night, she's like, oh yeah, they definitely wear them around at night. So
0: this is the first time I've been around and it's fun. It's funny how different breeds have different personalities, so I'm not real familiar with Siamese yet, so I'm kinda getting used the the one that we have, it it will not um it'll look at me, but I mean it won't come close to me. Really? Yeah.
1: Is it uh is it um like with your wife? Is it the same way? No,
0: no, no. He'll she'll jump up on the couch with her and um she comes my wife works at home so she's constantly coming out and laying at her feet and everything. But,
1: oh yeah, yeah. That's like here's here's when my cat wants to be my friend. <laughs> you know, like, literally, I, I when I was in college and stuff, I'd have my computer, and she'd always, like, get up and lay uh-huh. right here. And I I'd just remember be that. Like,
0: oh, Those, I now. remember times like that, yeah. Well,
1: messaging me right now.
0: Tell her we're she's like, wrap it up. I want to come home. She's
1: probably uh, asking about, uh, I think she's going to the store. Uh, so, still casting. Uh, have you met my wife yet? No. She uh, she may be home as we're wrapping up or before we get done. I uh, should probably head back this way. So. Well, uh, so we brought this up a little bit earlier, but what do you think about um, from Siamese cats to guitars again? Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember when I was um, getting out of high school and kind of started going to music stores on my own more and shopping more and getting more instruments and had – have been playing long enough to have experience with multiple instruments, started off playing the bass and then started playing guitar. And I'm really into like percussion like this too, but I can't, I had a Cajon, uh, I traded for an acoustic amp a, a couple of years ago, but, um, like, uh, I, I can do two things at once. I just can't do the third one. Yeah. Like if I have to use my feet while I'm doing this, it ain't going to work. Right. It's going to, Some something's going to be the same. I can't separate three things out. I get it. Um, <laughs> but I remember with Fender and Takamini both mm-hmm. the kind of the gist I got is they were sort of bought out in a way they kind of as a company, and maybe even maybe even they were saying Martin or Taylor won i I wouldn't swear to it kind of went through what Gibson's going through right now, in that they kind of get bought out and now they're all made overseas or they're just like real generic. Is that is that what's going on with Gibson? Did that go on with other brands like fin- these brands I mentioned, or what what is what is going on with Gibson?
0: Well, yeah, um, two good questions. The first one: um, every guitar company right now is doing imports, um, which is what I call your value price stuff, which is usually about a thousand dollars or less. It's honestly what the majority of us are going to be buying. Um, The domestic-made stuff, you know, Fender still has uh, stuff made here, Martin, Taylor, Gibson. Um, There are still companies that are making product here. It's usually your $1,000 and over stuff. Uh, uh, Occasionally, you'll see a… It it
1: is crazy the difference between an American Strat and a Made in Mexico price-wise.
0: Oh, price rise. yeah exactly quality wise um and I've been told I've never been out there, um, but I've been told that the actual distance between the plants is like fifty miles um but uh price wise there's a huge difference
1: yeah tele- telecasters and strats both i've yeah. noticed is uh
0: yeah but everybody everybody does um imports and um and you'll hear and i'll I'll be talking with customers and tell them this and whatever job they work at, they have products that are just like this too. In the fact that there's only a handful of factories making the majority of these guitars. Um, so I've, I've had fender guitars in the store that were made by a company called court. Yeah. Do you, um, s-
1: do you sell court? I sell some court. I've seen, um, courts. Yeah. Probably. yeah I think I used to in Clarksville where I grew up they sold yeah. courts
0: yeah court and um the uh the quality is identical because they're using the same materials now um the spin that um like a fender will put on it is that we send our people over there and tell them how we want it basically they're they're saying they oversee the production they're not building it but they had hands on as far as telling them this is the way they want it you know basically I, f- I feel like they're just you know sending their designs and saying making it make it like this and they they could send you know trainers or management over there for a month or two i don't know but the 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 bottom line is that quality wise um, if it if it comes into a shop like ours or any other guitar shop and it is set up properly, m- the neck is adjusted. Um, you know, we make sure the frets are level and all that. Um, Which
1: is a regular thing that has to get done, because, right? Like. Yeah, at least on my acoustics, I don't know yeah. uh, as much on an electric right. neck.
0: Wood, wood instruments are very sensitive, and so when you make a, a wood instrument over in Asia. And you ship it over here. Who who knows how long it's on the boat? Yeah. It gets exposed to a lot of different uh, climate changes, and um, so yeah. Once we pull them out of the box, we have to do some setups before it's playable. But once they're playable, there's there's not a lot of difference in quality bef- between imports and domestics. Now, domestics will um, usually be a lot prettier. I mean, a lot more handcrafting will go into it, and uh, but as far as the production models every, the the domestic stuff will have production models which is assembly line stuff and then they'll have custom shop stuff your custom shop stuff which is your super expensive is also a lot of handcrafting involved in that so uh yeah you know everybody does that now as far as where they've gotten into problems is when they kind of start cutting corners um fortunately my experience has been that uh, even though these companies get bought out and their uh, the management are not guitar people, they're still guitar people building these products um, in the shops. They just don't get to make the bu- business decisions. The business decisions is what's hurting these companies. Like Gibson, um, currently their problem is that in my opinion, I mean,
1: <laughs> well, I saw you make a post about it and I'm like,
0: man, right. Right.
1: It, Cause I like to, I like to talk about stuff's going on yeah. right now. And yeah. I had been following that same thing that I saw you share the post and you had an opinion. Yeah. It's like, man.
0: Yeah. It's uh you know, uh, I'm not tied in. I don't have any insider knowledge, but I mean, we, you know, this is our 44th year business. We've seen a lot of companies come and go and a pattern develops eventually uh, and a lot of the decisions that are being made ever since they, um, the current owners. Um, do you remember the CEO's name by chance? It's Henry. I can't pronounce the last oh, name. I, like. I can't hardly even pronounce normal English words. Yeah, uh,
1: I, I'm, I'm the same way. Every <laughs> now and then someone throws out a $1,000 word, and I'm like, uh, do what
0: now? I would be a terrific mumble rapper.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I uh, Core gets on to me for mumbling. I try not to do it on the podcast. Yeah. But I probably have a time or two.
0: He, um, but I, I think he's, um, I think he's from South America or Central
1: Henry, America. oh, wow. You ain't yeah. kidding. J- uh, J-U-S-Z-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z. There's a, a girl in the UFC and uh, her name is spelled like that. But she's oh. from Poland and her name, it looks like. Looks kind of like Jedersek, but it's young Jacek.
0: Okay. And right.
1: This, I, yeah, I'm telling you right now that you and I probably neither one can pronounce it. If you can't pronounce it, I know that I can't. Um, I wonder where he's from though. Poland. Yeah. He's from Poland. Same okay. place as that girl. Okay. okay. I,
0: I knew he, right. I knew he was I, from somewhere when else. When I saw
1: that Cz, mm-hmm. I see that a lot in Polish names. They have Z's and K's and C's in them a lot. Okay. I don't know why, but. Just teaching European history and uh, plus Poland, it's like a joke. They go on and off the map all throughout history. People take them over. There's maps uh, that exist where they're not even on it. Right. Um, That's the first, uh, the first country that uh, Nazi Germany took over.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: Yeah. But uh, so this guy, what's, yeah, it, what's yeah, his, what's his I, problem? I just
0: get the impression that him and a couple of buddies bought the company. You know, where most of us, when we want a Gibson, we go out and buy a guitar. I get the impression that he wanted Gibson, so he went out and bought the company. And um, I think that happened in 84 or 86. But um, there there are some people that feel like the quality has gone down. And I do see a lot of... um, busted headstocks on
1: I have heard uh, I know somebody who's got a Gibson's a busted headstock. Yeah,
0: really easy. Their headstocks seem to break on on both Gibson and their Epiphone line, which is their imported guitars. Yeah. Um, now Gibson's interesting in the fact that we also um for a long time uh carried a brand called Samic. Yeah, I which Samic Samick guitars. Samick was like court in the fact that they were an OEM builder. And Epiphone was, for about 20 years, Epiphone was their major uh, line that they produced. Yeah, I've seen
1: some of the semi-hollow-body Samics with the kind of like a Les Paul knockoff in a way.
0: So from about 84 to 2004, uh, those Epiphones, the majority of them, to my knowledge, was built by Samic, and they're fine guitars. Now, um, since I was a Samic dealer the The word on the street, Um, all the reps were telling us that uh, Gibson wanted to buy the Samick plant. They like to own their facilities, which is fine. That's that's fine. But Samick did not want to sell to them. So around 2004, 2005, I think it was, you started seeing a lot of Chinese Epiphone started coming in because they went over to China and bought a plant. From my understanding. So, and so there's a lot of people that feel like the quality um, has gone down. Now, anything with the Gibson logo on it, that's that's going to be American made. The, there is no Gibson imports unless it's a bootleg, which is a pr- big problem because their guitars are so expensive. that.
1: Yeah, and I, I will say this. I know someone that paid like $3,300 for, um, I guess, like the low-end Les Paul. Mm-hmm in 2017 and they got it and it didn't like had a major um electronic issue with it and like didn't work that's unacceptable yes now he got a new one and it works it sounds beautiful this guy's dad was a roadie for journey and and uh van halen okay uh, and passed away probably from on the on the job i don't know what the issue was but I, I get the feeling from the way uh they got they got posts he he came here and went to tech and um he's in a band moved back to austin texas
0: big music town
1: uh, yeah and uh but he is playing and um i want to say that his band is getting got some sort of little label deal going and uh, but he's uh, he's a really good job. Got a, scored a really good job uh, when he moved back, and is able to drop like three grand on guitars and stuff. Right, <laughs> but he does. He shreds. His name's Jim Baker. Okay. So, uh, it, but his uh, he had that, and I remember posting about it. And then he was chiming in on my status that I, I mean, you might have seen me share uh, the same probably right. article on Facebook. I might right. have even shared it from your your article. But yeah. he was he was like, chiming in, in the comments on the qu- people were talking about quality issues and. He was saying that even though his came in broke or whatever, he had to get another one that, you know, quality was amazing.
0: Okay. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah.
1: It's like, you know, you, you want it to be amazing if you spend $3,000 for it. Absolutely. But are you going to say it's amazing because you,
0: you know, I, I don't know. Conspicuous consumption. Yeah. Right. They, um, so, yeah, the, the, you know, I, I've, been, I've been to the custom shop in Nashville. Um, when I went back for a NAMM show a few years ago, um, NAMM show is the trade industry or is the show that all the manufacturers will display product at. And, um, they do one in the winter in Los Angeles and one in the summer, which has alternated. It's usually Nashville, but sometimes they have done it in Austin, but, um, Therefore, for a while, the, the summer, they call it the summer show, it had kind of dropped in attendance, and it was kind of declining. And so even though Gibson is based out of Nashville, they weren't even showing up to the show. But anyway, I contacted my friend, and I'm like, hey, are you all going to be at the show? I'd love to come by and say hi. And uh, he said, no, but um, feel free to sh- drop by the shop. I'll give you a tour. I'm like, yeah, awesome. So... um so I've actually been behind the scenes there. What a cool guy to know! <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, they do some impressive work in there in their custom shop. What is so,
1: does a someone who works on guitars have a name?
0: Luthier. Okay, that's what I was
1: wondering. If a luthier,
0: but um, to me, I associate that more with um, acoustic guitars. But I, I might make an exception for especially somebody like Gibson, who does a set neck, which is the neck that's built into the body because it's all essentially one piece of wood when it's said and done. Um, to me, when I hear the word luthier, I think more somebody who works with wood more mm-hmm. than, you know, with an electric guitar. Yeah, you got the wood body, but then you got the pickups and the wiring and all the hardware and stuff. But in my opinion, Gibson's problem is this guy started buying up all these different... He wanted to turn Gibson into a more than just a guitar company. He wanted to be, he bought, um, home sound equipment. Like, um, again, I cannot pronounce this, but O-N-K-Y or it's a, it's a home stereo product. Onic or-, or something. Um, he bought them, he bought, um, something that had to do with Phillips or that's, um, up stuff that's really not it's important. It's like
1: uh, surround sounds and... Uh,
0: right, right. You know what's
1: coming back big time uh, is vinyl. Yeah, oh yeah. It is back. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I could see. Uh, when When was he making those sort of moves?
0: Uh, it's been over a period of time. Um, But, uh, you know, he bought Cakewalk software. Unfortunately, though, what happened is that a lot of these properties he was buying they went out of business he bought ball and pianos <laughs> and um i don't know you know usually you buy something because you want to add it to your portfolio mm-hmm. and expand but a lot of the stuff he was buying
1: had already failed or
0: well was clearly failing according to reports you know their revenue statements or whatever they have was showing downward t- trends for a lot of these companies that he was buying, and he still bought them, and they ended up either shutting down the operations or whatever, so he was spending a lot of money bringing a lot of stuff into the fold that just wasn't panning out, and they were borrowing borrowing money to buy these things, so now they've gotten to the point where it's time to pay those bills, and they just don't have a large, I guess attractive enough assets. So uh, what's going to happen probably is that, um, a company is going to come in and well, uh, I saw an email the other day, actually, the, the investors who had invest bought the bonds from them this previous time are actually trying to take the company over. Cause t- t- typically from my understanding, the way this works is that a company <laughs> will offer bonds and uh, outside investors will come in and buy those bonds. And you've got a certain amount of time to pay those bonds off. And if you don't pay them off in that time, then typically what happens is those investors are able to take ownership in the company and basically I guess end up owning and running the company.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of, um, I've heard of that happening.
0: So right now, apparently, that's the struggle that's going on, is that the investors, it's come time for them to get paid, and apparently they just want to go ahead and take ownership of the company, but he's not wanting to give it up. Gibson will be fine. Gibson guitars themselves. Whether he has to file bankruptcy and he sells the brand to somebody else, somebody will come along, and there will always be a Gibson guitar, I think. Just under
1: different leadership.
0: Under different leadership, and hopefully – Yeah, um, better leadership, but apparently, um, you know, when I was researching it, um, a lot of people go all the way back to 19, I think 1974, when um, ownership had changed hands back then, or it had changed ownership in the late 60s, but it wasn't until 74 until the, they that ownership had their management into place. But something around 74, a lot of people will point to saying that's when we really started seeing a decline in their quality. But I don't know. Yeah. You know,
1: I haven't got to play a whole lot of Gibsons. I've known some people that have had them. I've, I've known enough at the least two people have had the mention the headstock yeah. issue.
0: I've got um. an Explorer. I've got a Gibson Explorer. Um, just, just do the fact that, uh, you know, I'm a Metallica fan and uh, James Hetfield, place up. you going to the Metallica show no, no, I probably okay. can't afford it <laughs> oh yeah well yeah, it's not
1: they... even it's like a year and something in the future, and they've already like maybe sold out or something I right it's it's like sometime in later twenty nineteen if I'm not mistaken
0: uh, yeah- uh, january twenty nineteen I think okay well yeah yeah, but uh, yeah about a year away i I've seen them twice before in similar settings um, once was at the municipal auditorium in nashville and that was an awesome show and then i seen them at the other arena the big arena there yeah. in nashville too
1: i never got to see him uh but uh, they're not one of my favorite bands i would yeah i would see him but i probably wouldn't drop like that thing I, I don't know how much tickets are but i bet they're expensive yeah
0: probably so the, i think the verizon will be a good show that that's a good setting to see them in Last year, they did stadium tours, and I have zero interest in, you know, setting up, you know, 100 yards away. Yeah, looking. that was
1: part of what I didn't like about the Tool concert. I wasn't too far away, but yeah. I didn't have good seats. Yeah. It was just I had an obscure view of the stage, and there were some weird people sitting by me. <laughs> so, it was just kind of, <laughs> <sighs> um, you uh, You ever listen to Joe Bonamassa? Recently. I just saw him play at Verizon, but he did, like, an intimate show. It was – they only sold out the uh, – they, they didn't even – it was a lower deck and floor seating only. Nice. Yeah, and um, he's been on a big tour, but uh, he he swept up in there and just killed it. Oh, man. He's, been, he's a child prodigy as well. Oh, he played yeah. with B.B. King.
0: Yeah, yeah, I saw some videos. Blues right now for me is is that thing I'm discovering. I, you know, it's always been there, obviously. Yeah, but.
1: Like a little bit me too. Um, that's like I, I was getting super into Zeppelin, and mm-hmm. I still am, but mm-hmm. I found out they plagiarized like 20 mm-hmm. songs, and I was super sad because mm-hmm. I hate Tony Robbins for being a plagiarizer.
0: Tony Robbins.
1: He's a motivational speaker. Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He has this Netflix uh, documentary or something called I Am Not Your Guru. The walk on the coals guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not into his product or mm-hmm. message, but I know several people that are like, t- like drinking the Kool-Aid big time mm-hmm. and dude's a millionaire. You got to give him his due. But, um,
0: what well, typically what I've found with guys like that is that the information there, lots of the times the information are given is legit. It's just it not is. anything new.
1: It, yeah. Yeah. And that's what he fell victim to. And some of it was, um, people that um worked for him mm-hmm. but man anytime you have like a ton of words that are word for word as some other guy's book that is along the same topics of your book <laughs> it's maybe a little bit of a concern <laughs> but yeah um i i got super uh you maybe heard me talk about some podcast, got super into zeppelin's connections with alistair
0: crowley uh yeah i heard you mention that in one
1: it, and i i've Found out everything I could about it, but Jimmy Page Mm -hmm. was pretty much uh, like a card-carrying occultist. All of the like, every time I see a Zeppelin symbol now, I'm like, that's a Crowley symbol. Like uh, they all had different um, different symbols for the members in the band, and a lot of people uh, point to um, they think there's this curse that uh, caused Robert Plant's son to die, and caused Led Zeppelin to break up, and caused John Bonham. And, um, who's the, what's the bass player's name?
0: John Paul Jones? No. I don't know.
1: I can't remember.
0: That, I think that is a bass player, but I can't remember if it's Zeppelin or The Who. Or...
1: Let's uh, let's look it up. But, um, <clears throat> apparently he was the only one unaffected by the curse of Aleister Crowley. The bass player? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but see, uh, Jimmy Page bought the, um... The house that Aleister Crowley lived in. Okay. And it was there allegedly haunted and like burned down suspiciously after Jimmy Page saw it. But he also owned an Aleister Crowley um, book. Uh, yeah, it is John Paul Jones. So I'm glad I did oh, wow. that up. Oh, okay. awesome. uh, wow. But they were all affected in these different ways. And everybody says it's because uh, Jimmy Page was linked up with the occult and all this stuff. And I don't necessarily buy into that. But um, cool stuff to talk about.
0: Yeah, imagery.
1: Yeah, uh, and it was. Uh, I, I am uh, fascinated by Aleister Crowley. He went and studied in um, Egypt, and it's all these weird parallels between him and people that went on to start religions or cults that studied under him, or um, some people. And I don't. I can't say this a hundred um, percent because I've talked to someone that that said they didn't really agree with it or whatever, um, or maybe they just didn't know. But there's a rumor that um L. Ron Hubbard studied with Aleister Crowley. I don't know how much that that's a guy that invented Scientology. Right. So I don't know how much of that that is factual, but um this dude's uh, also inspired um Anton LaVey to create Satanism.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: So that's why I wanna do um I wanna do also a series of podcasts on like almost like minority religions. Like uh, Satanism, I mean, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, like uh, denominations within Christianity, Scientology, and just kind of like a lot of lesser known stuff that has a lot of international uh, membership. I mean, it's 20 million people are a part of the Mormon Church. That's a, that and Scientology are both these uh, American denominations that have formed.
0: that probably would get a lot of people talking if you want a lot of (laughs) conversation about your podcast going out.
1: Yeah, so and you know I would approach it from like more of a that would be more of a historical um, philosophical like I would do it almost like a world religions course in in a sense except instead of talking about Hinduism and Buddhism and Catholicism or whatever, just talk about some lesser basically everything you don't get in world religions. So. Well, uh, man is uh, is it did you, okay? So are you? Uh, do you have? Uh, are you guys like maybe moving to a new location? Is that in the talks? I'm not trying to blow anything off. I can always edit this out.
0: Uh, that might need to be a Rob McCormick segment. There, matter of fact, when he brought that up, I was like,
1: I know. Yeah, I was like, yeah. He dropped it, and then you were like, um, kind of being like a little conspicuous about it a little bit, or, yeah. but uh, yeah, I did. So and you said you might have some news about some stuff you've been working on. Um,
0: well, there, there's a lot of changes going on right now, and um, I'm not ready to make them public, but, um, yeah. Yeah, maybe we can.
1: Stuff's, yeah, well, hopefully you can come back on um, the podcast, man. It's been awesome sitting down. We've been going on for over three hours. Yeah, I know.
0: So I thought maybe an hour. I'm like, uh, well, man, here's yeah. the thing. That's
1: why I wanted to have you on. I knew we could sit down and have a good conversation. Yeah. So. Uh,
0: in in social settings, I'm I'm typically very quiet. I'm the guy that sits in the corner, listens to everybody else's conversation, and really don't chime in very much. So I was like, well, this, you know, this is going to be interesting to see. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Uh, hey, man,
1: it seems like you're a pro at it. So, I mean, and like I said, when I come in, I'm like, well, I'm not going to explain any of this audio stuff to you, the guy that owns the store that sells the stuff I need. Right. But, uh, you know.
0: it's, It's always changing. I mean, you know, you... You come in looking for stuff I don't have, so I know that in the future other people will probably be looking for those same things, so it causes me to research it and start carrying it so
1: yeah, well, I mean it is crazy how much podcasting is when it a comes
0: thing, to audio uh it it's unlimited. The possibilities of all the different connections that you can do and you can hook everything up exactly right the way it's supposed to do and it still doesn't work sometimes i mean obviously no you're not doing i have it. been through that with yeah. this particular setup, but i mean right you'll you'll plug it up and unplug it three different times exactly the way it's supposed to do it doesn't work fourth time you do it and it works
1: well i think that when i um I'm going to re-network my cables and stuff, but I'm going to adjust the... I, I think I can get a little better quality audio on the camera. Like, so right now the mic um, feed goes into the camera It okay. records instead yeah. of uh, any of those... It picks up what we're doing through the mixer right. back into the camera. But we had to set the audio controls custom on the camera. And I think that we can get... Like, I've noticed when listening on YouTube, it's like, just almost a little bit of like feedback or something. just like a a ring, you notice it before we start talking. But okay. I noticed it on other people's podcasts, too. I'm not too worried about it, but I think I can adjust it I've, a little bit.
0: Yeah, I've I've been impressed with the quality. The very first ish, uh, episode, the... Uh, I, and know, I told the, you I
1: had a mid-cut button that was pressed, I guess, when I got the mixer out of the box. I never pressed oh, it. Oh, okay. But that's exactly, and you notice, like, if I were to go over there and press it right now, it was... Every one of those channels has the mid cut on it, okay. And it had gotten pressed down somehow, and I noticed that too. Because I mean, I don't go back and listen to every episode, but really the first seven episodes. Yeah,
0: the first two for sure. There's a, a big difference in the the two voice volumes. Yes. And but since then, I mean, I, I've it's on par with everything else I listen to. Yeah, the, the i 't hear it. I, Now, sometimes, you know, especially on my phone, when I'm driving in the car, I'll um, run it through my car stereo. And the other day on one of yours, I was listening to the, um, I could not get the car stereo loud enough. Yeah, I've
1: noticed that on an episode or two
0: myself. I never, I never have a problem on a computer. I never have a problem with headphones. But when I was running through there, I just was not able to get enough volume. And, um...
1: I need to double-check that in my car again, too, because I noticed that on some of the earlier episodes I did.
0: Well, in, in music production, there when you master a song, <laughs> um, you can normalize the audio, and you're using GarageBand, for, right? For now, yeah. Yeah, and um, there, there might be a setting that you can normalizing usually raises the volume level across the board for the entire track.
1: And I can do that. Okay. I just haven't been, I may need to. Yeah. And that's like, I haven't really thought about or figured out how to do it. Cause I'm, I'm working on, cause I do think the YouTube feed is a better quality audio, but I do think I can, I can take a little bit of that reverb out of there. Uh, but I noticed that exactly what you're saying on the audio only. And, some people uh, said it's only certain episodes. Uh, I don't okay. know if it's if it's guest. I don't know if it's all of them. But right. um, I feel the same. I, I've I've got that before. Okay. it's just on audio platforms.
0: And I know you're not trying to do a lot of editing after the fact, and that's great. Well, that, this
1: it's easy to do that. Yeah, uh, right. As well, and I wasn't thinking about doing this. Because is that's why I do two separate feeds mm-hmm. so i can I submit this straight from Garageband to iTunes iTunes to Podbean, and then it redistributes back out into Spotify and castbox and all of those okay, all of those other ones
0: that might be why i never had an issue on YouTube because that audio is totally coming straight separate from the, feed okay yep. yeah, makes sense then
1: yeah, but um <clears throat> yeah i will uh, I'm going to look into that that's a good uh, a good point on
0: but other than that i I think everything's been great. I'm super impressed. Well, hey, thanks, man,
1: because I have no idea what I'm doing. I mean, I do a little bit now, but I wanted to do this for a year, and then, you know, you don't know until you start doing it. Yeah. I kind of had – then it was just getting my ideas in line, and man, now I'm just like I'm telling everybody else. I'm like, hey, you should start your own podcast. I'll come on as a guest (laughs) because it's fun, man. I I really – it's cool that this is something that people do and and that some people are very successful and make a six-figure income with it. Yeah, it blows my mind.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive.
1: Well, uh, man, do you have a website or anything you want to plug before we wrap it up? Um, I know you said you are working on uh, an online store um, or just anything that uh, people can get a hold of you,
0: local audience,
1: anything like that.
0: Yeah, we're we're down on Main Street, East Main here in Russellville. It's Highway sixty four, but in town they call it Main Street, eight thirteen East Main Street. And, um, you can come by the store where they're Monday through Friday, nine till six. And, um, Saturdays I'm not there, but dad's there from nine till three. And, um, yeah, right now I'm, uh, as far as the website goes, it's in development. Uh, previously up until now, it's been pretty much for informational purposes.
1: Yeah. SEO and search. Yeah.
0: Just kind of giving a, an, an idea of some of the things we carry. Um, not all of them, but I'm. Working on trying to get them all up there, and uh um right now there's a few things you can purchase online and come into the store and pick up, but mainly, I just got it up there, so if somebody's like wondering, "Hey, I wonder if they got this particular model and they can pull it up and then they can come see us, have you um played with like Facebook Marketplace at all? I've needed to. I
1: noticed some uh, out of state, like around Missouri and stuff, music stores. Like yeah. when I, because Facebook how they work is like when I was getting ready to buy this digital recorder from you, mm-hmm. I was searching for digital recorder like Portal Studios and different things uh, on the marketplace. That's where I bought that Jim Yeah, and um, I started noticing that Facebook was targeting me with actual businesses that were in the marketplace that were, not, that were more than 30 miles out or whatever that had, it was like, hey, they suggested you might like this. From right. These people, they'll ship it to you or whatever. But I didn't know, like, we don't do any, like, really ads or anything on the marketplace, but I know some people do. I've noticed it's become a thing even with, like, Amazon stores and stuff. Everybody's found a, what a big community Facebook marketplace is.
0: Yeah, it's the next evolution. I think that's going to kind of... You know, Amazon made Walmart worry. I think Facebook Marketplace is going to make Amazon worry um, because it does take things back to a local level. I I, I love it. Yeah. I'm
1: probably about to buy a pair of bongos. Okay? Yeah. From the same person I bought the champagne from.
0: <laughs> so. well, and, you know, that's also... Um, well, we're wrapping up, so I well mean. hey man as long
1: i 'm just trying to be uh, I try to be sensitive people 's time i 'm done sunday i 'm done to sit here and do this forever as long as you 're not trying to get home for i 'm not trying to take away from anybody 's family time or right. or anything, but obviously, all my wife is at the grocery store, so we 're good
0: all you 're taking away from today is me raking up. <laughs> sweet gum balls.
1: <clears throat> oh hey. Oh,
0: yeah. And I'm gonna probably get it when I get did home. Do you see my dirt project going on out yeah. here? Yeah. So is that gonna be a circle? We are
1: gonna do that. Um and I just gotta plant a lot of grass seed and I need to get out there again with a rake. So I gotta go get the seed and the spreader probably after we wrap it up. So <laughs> I I just today is getting caught up around the house and this past week is getting caught up after being on delay from chorus fight and um then I got you know, we're out of town, got promoted to White Belt yesterday, so we're out all day and it's yeah. just been uh weekends fly by and today is just like I did a couple whites well, I think the nice three days it will be my fourth podcast I've done. And then we did a clip uh with nick on gun control. So that's five spots. And I'm probably gonna do a that Goliath review maybe this evening. Okay. Keep putting off grading my test. <laughs> right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this one pile this high underneath the bag yeah <clears throat> yeah well uh man um well thanks for coming on uh Absolutely. anytime you have anything you want to talk about you got a show review good movie went to a concert let me know i'd love to have you back on if, Well, you, if as you're, as you're willing to want to
0: do that panel on marvel movies oh so count me in
1: okay let's do that <laughs> I've been I've been throwing that out there because I, I'm trying to find somebody to do it with. Yeah. I, A, I haven't seen all the Marvel movies. I haven't seen the last two Thors. Mm. And I haven't seen either one of Guardians of the Galaxy. What? I know, dude. I know. Um, but, I mean, everything else I've seen. Yeah. Uh, and I did not, um, obviously, well, Infinity War is not out. Right. But um, I don't think anything between that and what I mentioned – Well, man, I didn't watch all of Age of Ultron either. Okay. I I just, I don't know why I didn't get into it very much. Which I thought it was better than Iron Man 2, but I didn't like Iron Man 2. Okay. Well, I had to just do it a movie at a time. Yeah. So, or maybe, maybe uh, that would be better to approach like, let's sit down and talk about all three Iron Men. Or, or to go in order. That's one thing I I want to do is, like, I did this with the X-Files. I don't know if you like X-Files.
0: It's been a while. But, but yeah, you know, they had the I monster. That
1: is one of my binge shows. Yeah. Uh, they had the monster, the weak plot line that's not connected, and then they have yeah. the, the main plot line. I want to do maybe some podcast, or I just went back and watched it after watching the whole show, is just watch the alien plot
0: line. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's
1: like 30% of the episodes. You right. can do it in a way shorter amount of time, and it's yeah. its own plot. It's a standalone plot line. So, um, I'm a big X-Files nerd too. Yeah. I want to believe.
0: Yeah. At the, Hey, I, you know, I was again, a day one person on that. I mean, I watched when they first come out, it was groundbreaking. Nothing, you couldn't watch television like it these days. I mean, everybody's emulated it. So yeah.
1: Well, Hey, be brainstorming on how you think we should do that. Cause I'm open to doing it a movie at a time, which would take a while. How many Marvel movies are there now in that universe that I are all connected?
0: 30? That's what I was thinking. I, 30 you know, was exactly what I was thinking. I know I that wanna... they, they've done them in phases, and we're getting towards the end of phase three. Ant-Man 2 is coming out. Yeah, and there's usually maybe 10 per phase. I mean, it's it's been ambitious.
1: Yeah, no. Well, yeah, so, um, yeah, that's got some legs as a topic for sure. Uh, and the two, I do want to watch them in order, so anything gives me an excuse to do that, I'm down to.
0: So, you, what you're talking about in order, when you're you're saying like start with Captain America. It, it I was, can't remember
1: if it's Captain America or Iron Man's the first one you start with. But there's a certain order if you watch them in, yeah. and then you can also watch Agents of Shield. Yeah, alongside that at a certain time, and it all makes sense in the larger universe.
0: Okay, well, yeah, I mean, uh, I would think Captain America because of the war War World War Two. Yeah, World War Two.
1: That's what I loved about Wonder Woman, which is not a Marvel movie. But yeah, right. I liked how they spun the history into it. Same thing with Black Panther in 92 Oakland.
0: Yes, yes. And um, Agent Carter, which was a six episode miniseries that aired two years, like over the Christmas break, when all the regular Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes were not in production or broadcasting they did Agent Carter series, two seasons of it, and it's strictly 1940s whenever. And those are really good, yeah. too. I didn't even know about that. Yeah, and they, they, they in my opinion, tie in better with Captain America than S.H.I.E.L.D. does with the rest of the... Occasionally S.H.I.E.L.D. will drop little references here and there to the MCU, but for the most part, the um, Agent Carter was really good about tying in with Captain America movies.
1: Okay, I'm gonna look into that. Yeah. Yeah, but that now I'll start uh I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up the Marvel Universe ordering and get on it.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm right, I'm sure there's a ton of list out there.
1: Yeah. Well I'm I'm a nerd for stuff like that. I'm a nerd in general, but anytime I can find an excuse to do something like that, well I'm gonna watch these thirty movies. I've seen the entire Game of Thrones series multiple times. Right. So I have no shame. But, uh, yeah, well, I'll keep that in the back of my mind. uh shoot me a message if you uh think anything, and we'll uh we'll get rolling on that anytime anytime you're ready. I'm looking forward to I'm gonna do a phone call episode here saying, okay. I figured out how to do um uh the side chain on my mixer and okay. call somebody, so I'm gonna a few going to do you're going to call them. I'm going to call them or okay. they're going to call me one or the other, but it'll, okay. it'll be just like, it'll be an audio only episode, but I can call people in California or whoever. Awesome. So
0: for, for some reason, I thought when you said that, that you were going to, Hey, our number is blah, blah, blah. Call, I could do that. Give I, us a call. Really... Let's know what your question is. I was a, I was a DJ at one time. And really? I would not recommend <laughs> doing that. You would be surprised at some of the phone calls and stuff that goes out over the air. Of course, back then, you know, I had to worry about, FCC stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. podcasts, you don't really care so much, but especially on the audio,
1: like yeah. uh, YouTube is getting more strict. Like I arrived late to YouTube for this, mm-hmm. I think, but I do still think, and they said this on my Adam girl of is that this is the beginning. Oh, yeah. I thought I was getting here late. And then they said, they're like this, this is the beginning. And they're really saying it's the beginning for audio, but they're saying it's still the beginning for video too, in terms of, people that are popping up like this and within their first year are doing multiple camera angles and mm-hmm. it, it, people that go from audio to video and start doing both. Yeah.
0: So, uh, I mean, as long as you, you know, your thing here is that, especially when you continue talking about the local stuff, if nothing else, you'll have a, a local audience, but with your MMA, um, you know, that's going to be a national thing, maybe a world thing. So could be, yeah. you know,
1: the girl core warming up with before a fight has got a fight coming up in the UFC in Chile. So her name's Andrea Lee, KGB Lee,
0: and she's doing what with her now?
1: Um, Warm, she warmed her up. Oh, Uh, so like before the fight, um, you know, we hit some mitts and wrap hands and stuff. But um, they're back there, kind of doing these things, these drills to kind of get Cora sweating because, like, you want to, like, you you sweat when you train. Like five minutes in, you're sweating, and you want to simulate that in a fight. You want to, you don't want to be sweating when you get out there. You don't want to start sweating after you get out. So we try and warm people up for it, it helps prevent injury and other things too. Sure, but yeah. I can see that. Anyway, well, all right, man. Well, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Uh I'll talk to you next time we have you on. If not before, when I come and need something from the music store. You got. Valley piano, baby. Yeah,
0: you know how to get hold of me.
1: All right, man. Appreciate you. Thanks.